4: In three, two, one. Government have been trying to say this has been unpredictable, but they need to be more creative and ambitious than that. I've had to go and set up a petition to try and get this over the line. I brought it to our minister. I brought it to the department. is listening. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96, 96, 96.
3: Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96.
4: Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
3: This is the Opinion Line with people DJ Coogan
4: on Corks
5: 96 FM. We'll get any more details on that uh, changes in the buses and the bus connect network during the morning. Certainly, bring it to you. It looks good. From good story on the front page of the Examiner from All English, who seems to have gotten a sneak peek at the plan. Twelve transport corridors, which sounds to me like just bus routes. Twelve dedicated bus routes and. Lots of other things Plenty more cycle lanes Loads, 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 loads more cycle lanes And lots more of dedicated bus lanes Coming If we get more during the morning We'll certainly bring it to you 0818969696. 0818969696. Also, I had an interesting message from a guy who just wants to know Has any listener ever heard of this tradition before? Uh, his friend has a, a new house or a new apartment, and they've been invited to a housewarming, and there's a tradition that he's never heard of. I am with it like he's fine, but he's, has anyone ever heard of it? 0818969696. But first, I want to draw your attention to a television program tomorrow night on the Virgin Media channel called The Forgotten Families and it's about an organization that I've not heard of I have to say it's new to me the Cleaner Foundation uh, and Susan Ahern Daly I think you have come across the um, the Cleaner organization the Cleaner or and they have helped you the Cleaner Foundation so we'll start with you tell me who they are good morning to you
6: Hi, good morning, PJ. Um, thanks very much for, for allowing me to have a chat with you this morning. Yeah, I, I'm just on to talk about Cleana's Foundation, who are a wonderful organisation based in Limerick. And it's uh, fo- founded by Brendan and Terry Ring, who um, set up the charity in 2007 after they lost their daughter, Cleana. Um, she was just 15 and she unfortunately passed away from an inoperable brain tumour. Nice. So they said, yeah, they said about they. They realised, I suppose, very quickly um, over the years, Kina had been ill for I think about eight years, and they realised how, frankly, how expensive it is uh, to have a seriously ill child in this country, and how you're alone. There's there's nobody there to support you financially, and um, Terry had to give up her job overnight. You know the diagnosis, and the same the same happened to us. Mm-hmm. Um, Olivia. My uh, youngest, my daughter, she was diagnosed with a very rare and complex liver tumour and liver disease in 2013, December 2013. So it came as a huge shock to us. Mm. And we had, I had to give up my job overnight. And Olivia had a three and a half year journey between um, Crumlin and King's College Hospital in London for multiple surgeries and, you know, long-term treatment. Thankfully, she's doing very well now. Good, good what the most the second most frightening thing after you get a shock diagnosis like that um, you know Olivia was fighting for her life for those three and a half years and it was horrendous I wouldn't wish it on anybody but this, the really harsh reality is it's so expensive it's so expensive to have a child that's, that's seriously ill or a child with a life limiting condition mm-hmm. um, and break, there break is it no bring it down
5: but, for me Susan say one trip to the UK to get some work done yeah one
6: yeah, one trip to the UK. Um, I'd like to just point out that, of course, there is the treatment abroad scheme, which we are yes. able to avail of, and we're very grateful for that. But that only, that but that covers your, your child's treatment. It doesn't cover the incidentals. It doesn't cover living in, you know, outside of your home. It doesn't cover... Um, it covers travel for your child it doesn't cover all the other things that go with it so like a trip to King's we'd say a flight from Cork to Heathrow was often at last minute because we were waiting on a bed or waiting on a surgeon or all the things that you need to fall into place so these trips alone for Olivia and myself those flights would at least be 500 euro then we were talking about taxis from um, London Heathrow to King's College which was an hour and a half journey because Olivia couldn't be on public transport so that was a hundred and fifty pounds straight away for just one journey. Um, you are trying to exist in London. You are talking sterling. You are talking feeding yourself. Um, feeding Olivia. You know, because she, she wasn't well. She I bought her whatever she could eat. You know, just existing, PJ. Mm-hmm. Just actually existing. Um, it's how really, long would really you be there so.
5: for? Like, where would you stay, Susan? Was there? A, a well, most of the time.
6: It? Well, in most of the time, you'd have a little camp bed next to your child in the hospital. Um, but there was accommodation available for when Colin, my husband, could come over, maybe to give me a break, or my mum Maria would come and, and give me a break. But again, there's there's a there's a nominal fee that you would pay for for that accommodation as well. So you know, the longest single admission Olivia had in Kings was four and a half months, um, and that was so expensive. And then you think you might be going home, you book your flights, then that gets cancelled. Those flights then don't get refunded. You know, it just, it just adds up and adds up. And meanwhile, back here at home, you know, you're reduced to a single income family. You're trying to pay your mortgage, your ESB, your gas, and it, the list goes on and on and on. And, you know, even going to Crumlin is expensive mm-hmm. because again, you know, you're out of your, you're out of home. You're you're trying to, you're, you're existing as, as, a family split in half mm-hmm. on half a salary. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's just the, the costs. People honestly can't imagine it. And I, and I, I don't wish this, you know, I never, I hope they never have to understand yeah. what, what the reality of it is. Um, And you shouldn't be worrying about your finances, PJ. You know, you're, 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 you're torn in two, you know, with, with us, Christian, our older son was here. um, And I was in the UK or I was in Dublin for a long, long periods of time. And, it just, you know, it, 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 you're struggling, you're struggling emotionally, um, your heart is broken, you feel so helpless because you can't take this away from your child and yet you're getting pressured by the banks looking for your mortgage mm-hmm. money, looking for, you know, the bills are coming and they keep coming and, yeah. you know, life goes on. Bills don't take exactly. sick
5: leave, someone put it. No, exactly. Bills don't take sick leave.
6: They certainly don't and it's, And that's why I suppose Cleaners are such a unique organisation in that, you know, Brendan and Terry have lived through this, you know, they've lived through this nightmare, and they know firsthand how difficult it is. And they they met a lot of families, you know, families like mine, um, and they saw that you know they needed to do something. And I think it's an incredible an incredible tribute to Cleona to keep her yep, memory alive and she is with us every time you know we we do something for Cleona's you know she's there you it's mm. you can feel her spirit and Terry and Brendan Ring are just absolutely the the most selfless people I've ever had the pleasure to meet how did um, you
5: first hear about the foundation
6: it was actually would you believe the, just after Olivia um was diagnosed with this liver tumor, we were being um, transferred in the back of an ambulance up to Crumlin and one of the nurses there, a lovely nurse called Anne, actually said to me, she said, look, there's a long road ahead of you here, she said, and I'm letting you know now I'm putting you forward to the Kleena Foundation. And like you, Cl- like you, PG, I'd never heard of Cleanas. And so we had a long journey in, in the ambulance, so she was filling me in. Um, and she said, we, we're going to nominate you explaining the story about Brendan and Kleena and terry because they had nursed cleana in in cuh so the staff there would have would have known um her story and would have known their journey so she literally put together the application for us and it just it's very simple they make the process extremely simple because obviously you're not in the frame of mind to be to be filling yeah. out forms it's a, it's it's an application form that you just give your child's details your child's diagnosis and it just has to be backed up by a letter from the hospital consultant and the hospital consultants never have an issue with this. You know, they, they've become aware of cleaners over the last um, 15 years and it's very simple. It comes into the charity and it's approved and there's a check sent out within a matter of weeks. And I always remember actually, and I've said this to Terry and Brendan over the years, I always remember when we got the check, I'd forgotten about it, you know, the the The, the, the application was gone through and I had a lot in my mind, obviously. And at the time we were waiting for to take Olivia back to King's and we were almost two years into her illness at this stage and, you know, the bank accounts were empty PJ, genuinely mm-hmm. being honest and the credit cards were maxed mm-hmm. and we were just wondering how the heck we were going to, you know, survive another stint in London Um, and this cheque arrived and I, was it was an envelope and I opened it and I genuinely thought, oh, another bill, here we go, you know, I'll put it, mm-hmm. I'll add it to the pile and um, I opened it and it was a cheque for 1500 euro and I just burst into tears and it wasn't it wasn't the simple fact of the financial assistance it was the fact that I genuinely felt somebody heard me somebody mm-hmm. cared you know and, and, and these strangers as they were at the time were willing to help us you know that blew me away and it was the same for Colin my husband we couldn't believe their kindness when yeah. like we were at our lowest ebb you know these and people really that were.
5: you'd never heard of never met no idea who they were but... They were sending you money at a time when they knew you'd need it.
6: Absolutely. That's exactly it, PJ. And that stayed with me, you know, that that was 2015. And I even speaking to you now, I'm getting emotional because it meant so much to us and it still does. And like we're forever grateful to TNS Foundation. And, you know, I just can't, still can't believe that, all of these families, and there are four, the statistics are there, that the, the the study has been done, like there are 400 families who get dreadful diagnosis for their children every year in this country. And they're left to fend for themselves. And it's wrong. It's very wrong. And it, it, it makes me very angry because, you know, it, there should be something there. And cleaners are trying, without as these families like us would have Nobody, nobody reaching out to them at all. Yeah. And that's why, you know, cleaners have been a long time trying to put this documentary, which you mentioned at the, st- at the start of the conversation, trying to put this documentary together. And Trilogy Media did a fantastic job. I've seen the documentary. And honestly, it is it is probably the most emotional hour of television you will watch. But by God, is it worth it? It's incredible. Um, and it's, hopefully when we launch this documentary tomorrow, like we're going to need a half a million this year to help the 200 families, the 200 applications that we're going to get. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't, you know, I've come on board with Cleaners as, a voluntary board member since last year. And I'm really honored to do so just to represent the families and, you know, to give that family perspective. And, you know, it's, as I said, until you've gone through it, I suppose you can't really understand it. And it's, it's trying to get the message out there, make, people aware of the charity and it's not you know the charity it doesn't matter of your child's diagnosis you know yeah. it's it's very simple if you need the help with, your, with the non-medical costs that will build up accommodation petrol heating at home bills simple, at home got, got you got know. The
5: in, in the current yeah. climate Susan you know with heating bills and electricity bills going up and up and up and up and imagine being where you were with your credit cards maxed up your bank account empty, your child needing to go to London for urgent treatment, which, like you said, that's covered, but nothing else mm. is. Like, what, exactly. you, what Where do you begin? And the, the the great thing about this is, like, we would, as you can appreciate here as a radio station and a, as a programme team, we've come across dozens of different fundraising groups and awareness groups and advocacy. I'd never heard of this foundation yeah. in my life.
6: Yeah. I suppose we're a very, very small organisation and, you know, Brendan and Terry are voluntary CEOs. Everyone on the board are, are volunteers. So everyone's giving their time, you know, as as much as they can. Um, but this is why the documentary is such a huge venture for cleaners. I mean, Ireland's Forgotten Families. I actually remember saying that to to Brendan Ring many years ago. I said, we are the forgotten families. And I think that sort of almost became a mantra for the charity. And that's why we decided to, to you know, name the documentary this but it's we're trying to I suppose re- key to this is raise awareness and quite frankly raise funds and I okay. suppose to to put cleaners out there and to let people know that we are there and families who find themselves in the dreadful nightmare situation of you know getting a shock diagnosis for their child and discovering all of a sudden their child is seriously ill your life changes overnight it's turned I can, upside down I, I, I
5: dread it it's the one thing and my yeah. my kids are in their 20s now but I, I still dread that kind of news, you know, and and I know yeah. friends and relations have had sick kids, and it's a terrifying time, a real terrifying it time. Is. Susan, absolutely. Well, look forward to the documentary. Look forward to. It. I, I assume that at the end of it, or at some point, there'll be details of where people can donate. And
6: yes, if you time. just we make it really simple, um, PJ, it's just to log on to cleanas.ie
5: www.cleanas.ie
6: Cleanas.ie making it as easy as possible and you know, thank you for having me on and as I said, um, the documentary is well worth a watch tomorrow, it's just a wonderful, and the families have given their time and have been very brave and courageous in telling their stories for wonderful families and as I said um, I appreciate the time and it's Cleanas.ie. Thank you PJ.
5: Thank you for telling me about this wonderful Wonderful foundation and maybe we'll be able to direct people to it and direct them to help it. It's fantastic. Susan, thank you. Susan Hearn Daily. Clean dot if you want to find out more. I'd never heard of it. Never ever heard of it. Doing incredible work for families in that very difficult situation. And that documentary tomorrow night, The Forgotten Families on Virgin Media One. I assume around nine o'clock. We'll check that. O eight one eight ninety six ninety six. Kate wants to know, why aren't more of these treatments and operations done here? Why are so many being treated abroad? It happens because so many Irish doctors go abroad to work. Well, you're partly right there, Kate. There are hospitals all over the world. Specialist hospitals and specialist units staffed and run by Irish people. You're not wrong. And Kevin says, last time I was at King's in London, it was only possible because of my parents' Thankfully, King's gave us a flat next to the hospital. Couldn't have done it, though, without my family. And I was lucky. 0818 96 96 96 on housewarming Party. It's not about the party as such. I'll tell you in a minute. Housewarming Parties, says this message, are a long-time tradition in America. An excuse for another party. Oh, and you're supposed to bring a gift for the new house.
3: And it's not quite that, but I'll get to it. Can we just talk? The opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. With the Cork City
4: Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie
7: Premier League Live, powered by Top Sport. Join me, Trevor Welch, exclusively online at 96FM.ie.
4: Tune in Saturdays as we round up the excitement for the day's biggest games. We'll bring you pre match analysis, live commentary, and in depth interviews with some legends of the sport.
7: Number one, that's the league. The Premier League Live,
4: with Now. Stream live action from BT Sport and Premier Sport with a Now Sports Extra membership.
7: Listen every Saturday, exclusively online at 96FM.ie, or download
3: the Cox 96 FM
5: app. Cox 96 FM. Got an email from Emmet uh, who's looking for a passport for his son. I thought passports were sorted out. Far from it. Far from it and it's only going to get busier as the summer comes and the holidays start. But Emmet has a son called Kyle who's 3 and this would be his first passport. Kyle will be 3 actually. Tuesday, next Tuesday, 26th April. And he says, My wife Lisa and I have been working very hard throughout the entire pandemic. We planned a big birthday for Kyle as he's missed his last two birthdays. We're taking him to see bb's Land Hotel in Birmingham. We booked the big seven-person family postman Pat suite just for him. Problem is, the passport office has an issued date for the passport the day after his birthday, the 27th. Hopefully, we're flying out of Cork on 25th to be there for his birthday, Tuesday, 26th. Nothing seems to be able to speed up the process, no matter what I do. I sent quite a, a lengthy email about trying to, get it, trying to get it speeded up and shifted. Dan Hart is, is Emmett's dad. Dan, morning. Morning, PJ. How are you keeping? Good. They're doing their best to get it speeded up. Passport office are given them a date. You like they say they'll drive to Dublin if necessary to get the thing
8: yeah they're 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 at all ahead, yeah, when did they apply they applied about ten weeks ago, yeah, yeah, and for a so, first
5: passport yeah
8: yeah eight weeks was it? you know but I suppose the things now with this war on there and everything you see we've got they're they're busier than ever in the passport office, I suppose.
5: Yeah, and they're trying to get it moved up the line a little bit to see can they get it out. I get the distinct impression from his email that he'd get his car now and drive up if he thought it was there for him.
8: Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. And um, they, they, they got back to them this morning, actually, from the passport office. And they said that there was a, something there was a signature, the guard, a signature.
5: Right.
8: That's what, uh, there were three signatures wanted, so what they're doing now is they're saying that they one of the signatures was different.
5: So they're looking also oh, that they have a problem now, have they?
8: That's, that's what the, the passport office is saying. Right, so right. They're, they're, actually, in the meantime, we've got onto the Tocal guard station, and they're getting onto the passport office to to uh, clarify what's the story.
5: Because they would have signed it and kept copies of everything they signed, of course they would.
8: Yeah. yeah. So they're, they're, they're getting at the passport office now, so that they have, they obviously almost so have the passport, and all they do is to to clarify the signature. Now they probably might send it on.
5: Right. You're 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 wondering if anybody has been in a situation like this and, and how they managed to get around it.
8: Yes, of if course. If they did,
5: yeah. if they did get around it. yeah Okay, okay. So it's, it's a it's a worrying it's a worrying time. I mean, look, they've put an awful lot into this. They've spent quite an amount of money on it.
0: They applied,
5: leaving leaving the 8 to 10 weeks they were told to leave and and, and here they are now, sweating on it. If anyone comes back to us, Dan, with a suggestion of what you might do next, we'll certainly pass it on. But clearly these problems... Thank you, Dan. Clearly, I'll put you back on to him there, Fiona. Clearly, these passport problems are not gone away, you know, to quote someone one time, that they've spent over two and a half grand to this little holiday together Uh, if they have to rebook they'll lose money and can they even rebook with their holiday arrangements at work so they've all got all of that to take into account and he says in fairness in his email he says I know we should have gotten a passport sooner and booked the holiday after we got it but we sent for it in early February thinking we'd have plenty of time I've asked repeatedly if I can come up in person to collect it to save time but they say it has to be sent by registered post, well certainly you can do it because we know that, we know that's happened we know that people have driven who was I talking to a few months ago about someone who just literally drove up like the hammers of hell one evening, not breaking the speed limit of course one evening, straight up the motorway grab the passport and back down for a flight the following day so it can be done 0818 96 96 96 here's an unusual one, I was in a bank yesterday as you know the banks are trying to force you down to the machines now with a member of staff working the queue to divert you to the robot tellers. <laughs> I like that name. They ask you, why are you here? But in the process of their hectoring the people, a load of private business is getting divulged. You also get a nice list of all the people withdrawing cash, and you could pick up on who'll have some large sums of money. Surely it's very bad practice. Mm. i yeah, I—I I, to be honest, I just have done all my banking online and using—I love that—the robot teller for quite some time now. I haven't gone to a bank counter in a long time, but I'm okay with it. Some people aren't at all. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, Nev, you've been posting about burnout uh, on your LinkedIn, and you were really hit with burnout. It, Did you get, you actually got a condition out of it. Good morning.
9: Hi, PJ, how are you? Um, yeah, I did. I did get a condition out of it, unfortunately. Okay. Um, I got it shortly after my Masters. do um, you know what I'm going to do? From... I'm going
5: to put you back on. Fiona, can you try and clean up that phone line? Because it sounds really grotty. I'm going to take a commercial yeah. break and we'll come back to you in about two minutes yeah. and we'll try and continue this, all right? Because I want to talk to you about no, this. I've no, never, talking into never heard anybody get something like this out of it before. Neve, thanks. Two minutes.
10: Can we just talk?
3: The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork
4: City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie.
7: Every year, you join us to
4: support a very worthy cause. And each time, we're astonished by your amazing generosity. If you need a light shine.
7: Cork's 96 FM Giving for Living Radiothon returns May 26th to 28th
4: for Cork Cancer Services. And I'll be there. And once again, we're asking you to include us in your diary.
7: Include us in your diary. I'll
4: be right, right. Start thinking now about fun ways to fundraise. You could also host a coffee break
7: or fill one of our change collector boxes. I'll be, everything you wanted.
4: I'll be there. The Giving for Living Radiothon. Supporting Cork Cancer Services, May 26th to 28th. Only on
3: Cork's
5: 96FM. Okay, hopefully this is a little bit better. So, Neve, you were a busy, busy student, active young person, studying and working, full of energy, full of vigour, and people were telling you, slow down, slow down, but you had a lot to do and a short time in which to do it, but you should have listened to them. Isn't that right? Good morning again.
9: Yeah. Good morning again. Am I a bit clearer now? Much better, thanks. So, (laughs) take me back
5: to 2019. You, you got to do your masters
9: yeah so I got my master's I suppose like prior to my master's I was working full-time when I was doing my undergraduate degree um and sometimes I was kind of double jobbing it like I might have you know a bar job in midweek or work on a promo team for a nightclub and then on the weekends I'd come back down to Kerry where I'm from um and I'd work in a local sports shop here like Friday Saturday Sunday and then after I was finished work on a Sunday I'd drive back up and then obviously have college all week um so I really kind of left no room for like a bit of like rest because I was I was like oh I'm young I'm fine you know it's okay Um, and then towards the end of my degree I decided that I was going to do a master's down in Cork and my parents kind of had to battle with me to say look, Niamh, if you're going to do this master's, you really need to, you know, like, like quit the job or kind of take a, a break for a year from the job. And it was really a fight because I had loved my job. And, you know, when you get kind of so used to your own money and stuff as a student, you really don't want to give it up. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we had that and I agreed. Look, I'll give up the job. I'll focus really hard on the master's. Um, the master's was only a year long. Um, it was six months academic and then six months placement if you secured it. Um, so I suppose we kind of hit Hit the ground running straight away when we went into the Masters. And uh, I was studying Management and Marketing in UCC. And there was a kind of lo- a lot of competition straight away because there was only so many placement um, positions available. So you'd be kind of competing, you know, with your classmates and kind of to get these these spots and if you didn't get it you'd have to do a thesis at the end um, which you have to kind of do a work placement report which is like a small thesis as it was so I don't know why why I didn't just opt to do the thesis as it was but um, fortunately I secured placement absolutely loved it and you know did the thesis and everything was you know still rushing around the place and kind of finished up in my placement mm. and was like okay I need I need to get a job straight away you know because Now I've just finished my master's. All of my peers are now exiting at the same time. We're all going for the same roles. They're all entry-level roles. And, you know, particularly in marketing, even if you're just, you just finished college or, you know, you have a year experience, they're looking for like three or four years experience. So you're really Mm -hmm. kind of competing with a lot of people as it is. Do you Um, want me to ask, um,
5: Anip, what age were you at this stage? You were, what, 21, 22.
9: So I was 20, I'd say I was 20, I was 22 when I finished my undergrad and I was 23 when I finished yes. my masters. Because
5: I'm, I'm out of um, breath just listening to you.
9: You must have I been
5: running around. <laughs> like you needed a, an extra day in the week.
9: Literally. And I didn't even notice it because that was all I knew, really. I was always keeping myself busy. So I didn't really like know anything else. You know what I mean? Um, and then I kind of should have realized after I finished the masters that I was like really wound up because the pressure I was put putting on myself to get like a really good job after it. Um and in a short space of time because I had an apartment in Dublin and obviously the rents in Dublin is so expensive and I kind of wanted to stay there because a lot of my friends were there. Um, but thankfully, I secured a job um, and a lot of it involved kind of driving on the road and stuff. And, you know, being one week, one day a week in the office, in head office in Galway, um, I was responsible for like a, the Leinster region. So I had like a lot of stores that I was responsible for the marketing activities for Um and. I could kind of feel it leading up to Christmas that like I was I was kind of hitting a burnout. Um, But I, I didn't really know what a burnout was. So I, I think it was like exactly a week before my graduation. Um, It was like rag week in Galway. So mm-hmm. as you can imagine, this is 2020 February. Covid was just kind of, you know, a mumble then. It hadn't really happened.
11: Mm-hmm.
9: Um, I had driven back from one of my stores. I'd moved back to Galway to be in head office a bit more. Um, and I was driving from Leinster, or sorry, from Dublin, all the way over to Galway. And I'd say around Athlone, I could feel a twitch in my mouth. And I was like, am I making this up? And of course, it was dark because it was February. You know, the brighter yeah. events hadn't really come in yet. Um, and my mouth was twitching. And I was like, "What? Like, what's going on? Am I imagining this? Well, like, like like
5: a kind of a like a, a twi- a, a, a quivering a bit? Or, and you don't control yeah.
9: it? Yeah. Yeah, for the life of me, it, it felt like there was a nerve hopping in my left lip. Um, and I was kind of just like, what is going on in my face? Am I imagining this? So I kind of recorded it to see to see it and it was twitching. Um, so I rang my mom to be like, so weird, you know, my mouth's twitching. And when I went to speak, I realised my speech was affected and I actually couldn't speak. Mm. Um, and I was dri- driving on my own. So that was obviously, you know, very scary on the way back. And it was dark. So I was like, oh, my God, just get me back to Galway, mm. you know. What, what did you think um,
5: was happening, Eve?
9: I knew I wasn't like if, like having a stroke because I I was completely coherent with everything that was going on. And I was like, I'm too young. Although afterwards I learned that like a lot of people, young people actually do have strokes. I was like, this isn't a stroke. Like, you know, I feel fine. I know what, what's happening. So I, I continue driving all the way to Galway. I went straight into hospital and it was Rag Week in Galway, so you can imagine any prior to COVID, absolutely busy at any any time of the day, um, and I, I, with Rag Week on top of it, it was so busy. So I just walked in, um, and the receptionist kind of saw my face and I was kind of ushered straight in because you know um, doctors kind of have to do a stroke assessment first to make sure you're not having a stroke. Sure. Um, and I went in and the doctor was like, "Do you want the good or bad news?" And I was like. Um, Can I have good news first, please? Of course, because I just did. It was such a long day after work. I just didn't want to hear it. Um, And he said, well, you've skipped a 19 hour queue now, you know, with with rag week going on. I was like, and the bad news is and he was like, you have atypical Bell's palsy. And I was like, what's that? And he was like, it, basically your mouth has drooped usually it starts in the eye and it goes down to the mouth in your case it started in the mouth and it's going to go up mm-hmm. to the eye so we have to wait to see is it going to stick open or if it's yeah so it was like if you can get like a, a, basically like a muscle spasm in like your calf or something, it felt like that, but in my face, it was so sore. I couldn't control it. It was just constantly spasming. Um, and I was so oblivious to this. I was like, okay, that's fine. But my graduation is next week. Like, you know, will this be gone by then? And he, the doctor was like, this always happens, you know, before weddings or graduations. You were still going at 90
5: miles an hour in your head.
9: Yeah, I was like, okay, this is fine. I don't really have time for this. But like, you know, when like when will I be better, <laughs> Like basically? Oh God, yeah. um, and anyway, so he, he gave me medication and I went home and, you know, I couldn't really drive then because, you know, one of my eyes was closed. So, and, you know, drive the and I drive with glasses anyway and I wouldn't, like, put anyone at risk on the road so my dad came up to Galway to collect me I came home and I said I'm only coming home for the two weeks I need to come home for and then I'm going back to work um I which when I look back at that I actually laugh because the healing time took so much longer than that um Mm -hmm. And I was being so impatient when I look back, I just wouldn't allow my body to heal. So I had um, Bell's palsy for you know quite a long time and I caught mumps in the middle of it. So this then my face was swollen. Mm. So I thought Bell's palsy was gone then, but it wasn't. It came back afterwards. But I was noticing then months later that like it just wasn't going away in my face. I like, kept spasming. Um, so I obviously went to see a consultant neurologist. About my face, and this was like height of uh, the pandemic as well. Which you know, I was like, you know, they, doctors have so much more serious things to be worried about. They they won't care about my face. So I went for scans and everything. Everything was clear, um, but it turned out that I had uh, a condition called left hemifacial spasm which was like a dystonia, but in your face. Um, and I was put on medication first to see would that help. And it didn't really. So I ended up um, going on uh, botulinum injections in the hospital. So they, basically it's like Botox, but they freeze the muscles. So yeah. the electrical signals that are getting sent to your muscle, like they don't contract and my face doesn't droop. And, and tell but me, Niamh, right.
5: were you still? were you still thinking I need to get back to work. I need to get back to yeah, work. Yeah, the
9: whole time. Like I, I like I went back to work when I wasn't even supposed to go back to work. And, and... did
5: anybody turn around and say to you, Stop, breathe?
9: Yeah literally my but my mom of course is doing it but you know as a mom you just think that your mom's doing it like you know to say you know don't but when the doctor kind of said to me like you have burnt out and this is why like you know your face is like this and I was like okay but I love my job like I'm not stressed and she was like but you are stressed and you don't know it your body's taking the hit for it and you're like you're not you feel fine but it's been completely internalized and now your face is like a casualty of you being burnt out um so then I, I went back to work and of course like I'd be in meetings, my face would droop, I wouldn't be able to speak properly, I'd have to excuse myself all the time. Like I constantly looked like not like myself and for the best part of two years I didn't. And eventually the left hemifacial spasm progressed to blepharospasm or blepharospasm, I can never say it properly, but basically it goes into both of your eyes.
5: Lepharospasm, um, the whole face.
9: Lepharospasm, yeah. Here's,
5: here's, here's a question. Yeah. Like, and, and, and this is what's... Co- did did you sit have you thought now and i understand you've recovered yeah have you thought now why you were driving yourself so hard
9: yeah i know a hundred percent it was i was trying to compete with um like all recent graduates that had left um college like the pressure that graduates are under to get these jobs and then it was like mid pandemic it was like the High to the pandemic so everyone was losing their jobs and like I I was like I need to get back to keep my job and it was just the stress of trying to like work under those conditions and like try prove myself and I suppose when you come out as a marketing graduate you know you really feel the weight of your lack of experience so you're trying to prove yourself constantly that you are aware of marketing like you know what's happening in certain markets and certain industries what works and you know like it was really really hard to like kind of compete with that pressure um, but eventually I, I did come to my senses and I was like look I actually need to take some time off work. Was, so, there, was um, there
5: something that finally convinced you of that?
9: I think it was just kind of like I knew my face wasn't getting better and I was like you know there has to be more to marketing than this pressure as well because like I did marketing like I initially had done law but I went into marketing because obviously my part-time jobs involved marketing and I absolutely loved it. And I wanted to find that love for marketing again that I had that made me want to go and study it. Um so then in my time off I had set up a podcast to like help recent graduates like secure jobs in different industries. More work. Um Uh, Yeah, basically, like how to do your CV. I I got loads of guests on it. So I actually had um, my work placement officer that was with me in UCC. She was on it, Gillian. She gave loads of tips on how to do your your CV and for interview skills. And then I had guests from different industries and different jobs and how their career path looked to kind of reassure people that I know you might be unemployed now, but I completely swapped my career down the line and everything. Um, and then eventually I just ended up working for myself as a marketing consultant and, like, the pressure is completely off me now and I'm working Good. with some fantastic clients and, Good. you know, at my own pace, <laughs> which is great. Yeah.
5: There's a skill that I know you now are probably working hard to develop and it. I'm a little bit older than you, shall we say. There's a skill you need on top of all the marketing skills and it's the skill of doing Nothing.
9: I'm telling you, I'm starting to master it now, PJ. <laughs> you need to get there. good at that.
5: One day a week, one day a fortnight, just do nothing.
9: 100%. And you know the value in that that I never realised before is insane. Like you really, really do need it to yeah. just unwind and get your body to relax. Because you mightn't think you're stressed, but like your body completely soaks it all up and it'll come out another way
5: yeah how are you now
9: i'm great now yeah completely under control i'm as relaxed as ever i completely move at my own pace so it's fantastic and not the pace i was moving at before of course Mm. um but yeah i'm a lot better now like i'm very fortunate it's actually when i posted that i only posted it on linkedin to kind of say it to recent graduates kind of slow down like because that that was when it kind of really started going downhill for me um but like it's hard now to look back on those photos like two years ago and be like, oh my god, that's what I looked like, scary. Whereas, like. Yeah, I now. saw them.
5: They're scary. Like that's yeah, your, it but, was but that is your scary. body telling you, "Nia, rest me. Yeah, rest me. Yeah,
9: yeah, yeah. 100 percent. No, so I'm very fortunate. I'm, I, I'm all good now, thankfully. Good,
5: good. It's a scary story, but it's a, it's, it's good advice. Just stop. Yeah. Stop. I mean, I was, I, was I literally was tired listening to you. I know. (laughs) I can't imagine. No, 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 no! I don't mean that way. What, what, what? It must have been like trying to trying to work and think at that speed.
9: I know, and I really think, like when I look back at my brain and what I was thinking about trying to rush back to work, like the way I was like turning into porridge, girl. You were turning (laughs) into porridge.
5: Listen, I'm delighted that everything has worked out for you, and I'm delighted that you've learned. And as I said, I'm a little bit older than you, um, the skill and the joy. Of doing absolutely nothing.
9: Yeah. Thanks so much, and teach, PJ. Thanks teach for that. Me. Teach
5: that to anybody that you're working with. Take care, <laughs> Neve.
9: Thanks really bye PJ. Thanks,
5: that's <laughs> Neve Bourne. You'll find her on, on LinkedIn. Now, Rachel, how how is Kevin? Before we get into what you want people to do for him. Good morning.
2: Good morning. Um Kevin like he's I suppose he's doing as best as he can be doing Um, he still remains in Temple Street and I suppose he will be there for the I suppose for the foreseeable future you know okay. up there so um, but like you know he like he's a great boy like he you know he's you know he's doing his best you know to remain positive Good. and to keep upbeat and all that you know. Just to so, remind
5: um, people this is Kevin O'Callaghan your brother um from drumahan near Mallow. now what happened to remind us again he was in disneyland in february
2: yeah so um during the february midterm we went um i suppose on a what we thought was going to be a dream holiday to i suppose to paris first and then we went to, in, out to disneyland after that and then i suppose he had a freak accident in a soft area in disneyland itself and he um in one of the hotels there and then he was instantly paralyzed and then he had to be rushed to hospital and um, he had to get emergency surgery and he had um, a spinal compression and a neck compression as well so he had to go for emergency surgery over in Paris and he spent a few weeks over in Paris and then um, thankfully we got him back to Ireland and now he's in um, Temple Street um, where he will be for the, next, for the next while anyway Right.
5: And what's his prognosis, do you know?
2: Rachel? Um it's very uncertain, you know, at the moment. Um, you know, I suppose since it's initially happened, he has got um he has got a little bit of movement back in his hands and in his, you know, and in his legs. But still, you know, it's very, very uncertain as to what the end outcome will be. And as I said, he has gotten obvious you know, he has gotten stronger since, you know, since it's happened. Um, But I suppose last week we we got some bad news that, you know, due to complications with his recovery, he's going to have to have another operation. So I suppose that's going to set him back, you know, um, I suppose, potentially to the start, you know, and he'll have to, you know, he'll have to regain everything again, you know, that kind of way. So long um,
5: and a slow and a very hard road. Now, his 12th birthday is the 1st of May.
2: Yeah so he's going to turn 12 on the 1st of May so I suppose Kevin obviously you know none of us ever expected that Kevin you know would be celebrating his birthday in hospital and um I suppose you know um the community in Drumhan um, came up with um I suppose this brilliant idea of this birthday card appeal to you know to I suppose to keep you know to keep Kevin smiling you know especially you know I mean when, you know, as I said, he, you know, he never, you know, nobody ever expected he'd um, be celebrating his birthday, you know, his 12th birthday in hospital.
5: Mm. Yeah, and he's going to miss Ed Sheeran as well.
2: Yeah, he's a massive Ed Sheeran fan. And I said, we'll never forget the day we picked, we um, we purchased the tickets. He was so excited. I, um you know, to go because he, you know, he loves the cheering. And um, I suppose the last time he was in Cork, Kevin was a bit too young to go. So um, I suppose when he realised he could go this time, you know, he was so excited. And yeah, so yeah, he's miss. You know, he's going to, you know, unfortunately miss it cheering as well. Mm. Um, next week, you know, um, and I suppose he also has his confirmation as well coming up. So you know, there's a lot of. There's a lot of events, I suppose, coming up, you know, in the next few weeks. You know that obviously Kevin would love to be attending, but unfortunately, due to the circumstances, you know, he won't be able to. Let's
5: fill that hospital room with birthday cards, shall we?
2: Yes, that's that would be fantastic, and you know, it would definitely you know put a put a massive smile on Kevin's face. Mm
5: -hmm. So it's Kevin O'Callaghan, care of Temple Street.
2: well, what we said is that we, um, we that there's a few drop-off points locally and also that they can be sent to Kevin O'Callaghan, Bally, Bally Simon, Drummahan, Mallow, Count yeah. Mallow, County
5: Cork. Kevin O'Callaghan, Bally Simon, Drummahan, County Cork.
2: Mallow, County Cork,
5: Mallow, County Cork, all right, for the, for the yeah, 1st and of it's, May.
2: Yeah, and it's a complete surprise for Kevin, so he actually doesn't know anything about it, so... Um, so yeah, so hopefully, you know, um as I said, when he realizes, you know, um when he realizes it it'll put a massive we know it will put a massive smile on his face.
5: Okay, okay. God, it's he's gonna miss out on so and over a simple, simple accident. Yeah. Fell over as you do in the soft play area and couldn't get up.
2: No, no. As I said, it just shows, you know, um as I said, what an absolute freak, you know, a freak accident and he's like a very sporty lad, like you know, he's you know, he's involved in GE, you know, um, cycling, soccer, everything like, you know, and he's had falls before. And as I said, this was just a freak.
5: OK, OK, well, here's hoping. Here's hoping. Give me that address yeah. again for people.
2: So um, it's Kevin O'Callaghan, um, Bally Simon, Drumahan, Mallow, County
5: All right, very good. Okay, listen, uh, good luck to Kevin and good luck to the rest of the family. Rachel O'Callaghan, Kevin Kevin O'Callaghan, Valley Simon, Drumahan, Mallow. Let us flood that young fella with, with 12th birthday cards for his birthday on the 1st of May.
3: Can we just talk? Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM.
4: With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie
3: the lines are live. And we're ready to talk.
4: Can we just talk? Call 0818 96, 96, 96.
3: Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96, 96
4: Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
3: The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
4: On Cork's 96FM. It's getting exciting now.
5: It's getting very exciting now. Ed Sheeran is actually in Ireland at the moment. Uh, I think he's doing a Vicar Street gig and then he's doing croaker at the weekend and then he's doing cork next weekend but he turned up in whelans in dublin now i don't know whether he was supposed to be gigging there or just turned up for a pint but crossy sent us this on he picked up a guitar and started singing I've been so in my
3: see what's going on, is a pub
5: Imagine this in the pub, right? This sort of turns up, and it's actually Ed Sheeran. Yeah, no, that's not the song. There is an Ed Sheeran song coming. This uh, That was him in Whelan's. Crossy said that was last night. So he's in Dublin already. He likes it here. He did a whole album here. I'm actually going to see him at the weekend. I'm going to see him in Croker. Myself have my daughter are going on Saturday night to see him in Croker. Um, looking forward to that. I tell you all, what, it's all, what he's like then when I'm on next week before he comes to Cork, but we're sending you to see him twice, not once, twice at Parky Cueve on April 29th and Paris on July 30th. You're listening for the Ed Sheeran songs, and every time we play a song, you text a WhatsApp for your chance to get in that draw, to experience Ed Sheeran twice in Cork and in Paris. With Blackpool Shopping District, no gimmicks, no notions, no paid parking, just shopping, which is what they do best only. On Cork's 96FM, there is an Ed Sheeran song a-comin'. When? Sure, I'm not going to tell you that. You'll have to listen. Right? that the deal? It's coming up, though, an Ed Sheeran song. When you hear it, let us know you've heard it, and we'll pick someone and send them through to the draw. 0818 96 96 96. Now, what the heck is happening At Netflix. Yeah, they're sound on the kerching because they're losing money. This is the biggest, you would think anyway, the biggest television platforms in the entire world. And we know that they got dearer lately, uh, considerably dearer, but they've lost a fortune overnight. A sharp drop in subscribers. Nearly 200,000 people have quit between January and March and they're worried that more will quit in the second quarter Uh, now a lot of it was because of the war in Ukraine where they lost lost a load of Russian subscribers but still they are in trouble they've lost a tuck of money and they now think that they might be introducing passwords uh, a, a limit on who you can give your password to and advertising has never been ads on Netflix. But let's find out more about what is actually happening at Netflix, which is a giant in the industry. It's the one that towers over them all. So what is happening, Adrian Weckler, tech editor of the Irish Independent. Are they in trouble, Adrian, or is this just a blip like everybody else is going through? Good morning.
1: Good morning. I think it is a sign that Netflix is maybe maxing out on the its audience. So They've lost 200,000 subscribers. Now, we need to put that into context. They have 220 million subscribers. So they've lost 0.1% of their audience. And by the way, if they hadn't pulled out of Russia, which is 700,000 subscribers, they would have actually gained for the quarter. Now, that said, they are saying that they are gonna. They think they're going to lose 2 million subscribers over the next quarter or two, partly because they think that the, the pandemic, the COVID pandemic, inflated their user numbers by an awful lot. Like over 20 million people signed up during the pandemic to Netflix. So they're at 220 million, which if you think about it, means for every one Netflix sub- subscriber, how many people realistically are watching? Three, four, five? It's probably a billion people mm. using Netflix. Now, you, you're not really seeing that many more people. But look, you've spoken about this before, like the cost of living crisis, like how many subscriptions can people actually um, maintain? In my household, for example, I subscribe to Netflix, Amazon Prime Video, Apple TV Plus and Disney Plus and one or two others. Yeah. Now I know that that's kind of overkill. I do it it's a, and it's a luxury. And by the way, Netflix Decided to raise its prices yeah. six weeks ago, so I'm paying 21 euro a month now for the for the top thing. So I guess it was a case of something's got to give, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at their pricing plans for Ireland. I
5: downloaded them this morning, and I own the same as you. This is the four screens at once, the four downloads yep. at once. You have yep. the Ultra HD available to you if you need it. That's the old. Then there's the standard, which is two screens, and the basic, which is. One screen. Now, I said... basic basics nonsense, though, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I said a while back, Adrian, I really wouldn't have an enormous problem with clicking in to watch my episode or my movie mm. and having mm. to sit through a 40-second commercial first. Wouldn't bother me if it, if it cut my subscription.
1: It would drive me nuts. Would it? Now, Just one ad. So there, there, is a, there is probably going to be a service, both for you and for me, for, from Netflix because what Netflix is actually saying is they're considering an ad-based model but that would be a lower monthly price so I'll get to keep my €20 euro a month, no ads. Don't ever come near me with any of those stupid ads, right? <laughs> uh, and by the way, I know that both your business model and my business model in terms of where we work is supported by ads. So I don't mean to be gratuitous, but it does get irritating, especially when they're the same ads, right? <laughs> so, But 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 I'll pay €20 euro a month and you will pay, I don't know, maybe maybe €6 euro a month or €7 euro a month and you'll get your 40-second ads. Or maybe it'll be like, a minute and a half of that. I don't know. But it, I think that's what's going to happen. I, I think maybe what more people might get a bit freaked out about is Netflix is starting to say that the era of sharing your Netflix password with your friends or your family might be coming to an end. Yeah. So that's a big that's a big issue. Now,
8: there's a the
5: thing. With the premium, right, you can have mm. up to four screens watching at the yeah, same
1: time. At the same time, now, yeah. Yep. I've given my mum my password mm. and we have oh, a profile. You, I, tell me you just didn't say that live on air.
7: But why
5: not? She's one of the four I mean we we've 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 a couple of active screens in the house.
1: But my mum yep. watches Netflix. Why shouldn't okay. when I'm paying for it, why shouldn't she be able to get into it? So so in theory then, why shouldn't uh say an estate, for example, say a housing estate, mm-hmm. why shouldn't they just have one Netflix Subscription and just schedule times for everybody to watch it for a hundred people. Not to watch it. That's not the well, same thing. That's not the same. Well, it is. Thing. No, it's not. It is two different households. Unless you do, you live with your mother?
5: No, no. But okay. the thing about it is, I'm paying I'm paying for four subscriptions.
1: So no, no, they, no, 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 you're paying. You're paying one subscription yeah. for four concurrent screens at for an era time. when we at the same yeah, time. Yeah, but that's that's for an era when we all have tellies, tablets, and, and and smartphones. When when the calculation is that there'll be a family, for example, but in a single household, hmm. that you know there'll be four or five people, and maybe you want to watch an episode on the bus and on the way into school, or maybe somebody else wants to watch it when they're making the breakfast in the morning, somebody else, et cetera, etc., etc. It's not so you can have your extended family over five or six households all sharing the same account. But it's only four.
5: At the same time, no, it's for it's. So I can watch. I can watch it downstairs. Queen uh, B can watch it upstairs. And my Mum wants to watch something. She can watch it. We're still paying for it.
1: You're paying for it, but that's that's it's that's like sharing a Spotify um, subscription, for example, or or something else. Mm -hmm. Look, people. The point is, yeah, people do it. Oh yeah, Netflix has said they they reckon that a. There are probably 100 million households, don't forget they have 220 million subscribers, they think there's 100 million million households in addition to that, who are sort of skiving off, or to use your argument, are, I don't know, using the expanded interpretation of what the... uh, If if I'm paying 21 euro and my neighbour's paying 15,
5: 14.99, then he or she is entitled to their two screens. And I'm entitled
1: yeah. to my four screens. I'm paying for my four screens. Does it so matter why, Adrian why, if one of them so is loud in No, hang <laughs> on. So, so why is your neighbour even paying? Why Why wouldn't you just share your account then with I'm your neighbour? I'm not my neighbor's friend. Ah, <laughs> but, you, but but you <laughs> could, I, and I think that's what people do sometimes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. look, we, we all do a bit of that, right? Yeah, there is yeah, a yeah. bit. There's all. There's always a bit of password sharing going. I think that that's the element that might freak people. Uh, now, I, by the way, I don't know how they will do it because I, for one, if they were to decide, for example, right, from now on, you're only allowed use uh, the net, your Netflix subscription in your own home and we're going to check it by IP address, right? So that would mean, well, what happens if I go away on holidays? What there happens if I'm on the bus? I'm, there you go. You know? They can't do it. It's almost impossible to do it. Well, what they could do is they could do a couple of things in between. They could require, I'm not sure if, if you've ever seen this two factor th- authentication. So, if you're trying to get into it's your a Microsoft Outlook, sends your yeah, mm. it is a pain in the neck, but it, it does make it more secure, right? But some services now do that. So, what you might have is if somebody tries to get into your Netflix account, it'll say, Yeah, no problem. We've, uh, to the person trying to get in. No problem, we've uh, texted your uh, verified uh, number, so just click on that and you can get in. And, of course, that's my mobile number. So yeah. let's say you have, let's say your, your ex-husband or your ex-wife still has access to your Netflix account <laughs> and they're trying to get in yeah. and your phone gets pinged. You no, 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 I I'm I'm, don't think yeah. they're going to let it
5: in. They could maybe do the devices thing or the screens thing the way, I'm thinking now, the way is it now do it or mm. some one of the other ones where you have mm. to register the device with yeah. with with them, so you can say that's to first. Netflix, "These are the yeah. devices I intend to use," and and, and mm-hmm. they allow you then to take a device off and put
1: a new device on, which you can totally yeah tell them the devices you're going to use. I know that th- you, they could do that. That gets a little bit janky and technical, and for for a service that's supposed to be replacing, you know, BBC and RTE in terms yeah. of the thing you watch the most. I don't know. That might be a bit of a bad user experience. Um, mm. I'm not sure if I could see them going. Works down okay to, that with now. Big. I noticed it does work okay with now. Uh, yeah. Occasionally, I've had well, now, to. Now is a much more controlled, regular, and also it's much smaller than yeah. Netflix. Like it's, it's, it doesn't have any anything of. Volume. Like I've
5: constantly had to sign off. Say sign if I'm if I'm away, like for work now. I want to watch a match or something? Mm-hmm. Sign off. Mm-hmm. Sign the sign the telly off at home, and sign that, on that, the that's laptop. A total pain in the neck. That's a pain in the neck. Maybe to it have have to it. do that. <laughs> Works though. <laughs> yeah, 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 okay, yeah, yeah. yeah no. um, I but it's it's one thing. But they, they they want to do it anyway. And yeah, why have you got such a problem with the ads?
1: Uh, look, um, I, I I think I listen to a lot of uh, services, watch a lot of services. You, you log on to your RT player you know you're sitting there for three or four minutes of oh, yeah. ads then it crashes and then you have to watch three or four minutes of ads again yeah. you're listening to tune in to you know, an, an app on your phone you listen to the radio i just listen to the radio a lot to turn tune in i don't have a pro account we just have to listen to ads sometimes it'll cut out after 20 minutes and i have to listen to the same yeah rubbish yeah um, Spotify. look yeah. It, it, it's a necessary evil i think look the main thing here with netflix is um, it's not a crisis, okay? It mm. has two hundred twenty million subscribers. Most people in Ireland use Netflix, okay? Mm. Um, the thing is, like, we've so much decent competition now. Like, it, it used to yes. be that it was Netflix yes. or nothing. They owned it. Now they owned you got it. Yeah. like, like Apple just won an Oscar on Apple TV Plus. Um, you've got uh, Amazon Prime Video, Disney. Like, if you've a family and you've kids, you have Disney Plus in your yeah. house. Um, so something's got to give like you think you can you'll be happy to subscribe to two or three of them um but you know the cost of things is going up by so much that uh, i think that some people will cancel their netflix as well yeah and you know what's happened
5: as well with the ads on youtube it used to be where you have the ad at the start of the video and maybe one at the end of the video and now they're dropping in after a minute and a half Going, hey what am I dist
1: bit you know, well, now I wouldn't know because I pay for YouTube, premium. So There we go again. So I pay 11 quid a month, right? Just so I won't have to watch ads on YouTube. That's how <laughs> psychopathic I am about it. <laughs> yeah. But like you say, it's a, it's a
5: giant and this is a blip and and they'll come up with... I mean, how much are they spending Look, on new
1: material again? You see, this is it. They're going to spend $16 billion on new content this year. $16 billion. So, Most, a good chunk of the hit programs, the hit series and hit movies that people now talk about. Oh, did you see this? Did you see that? It's on Netflix. So all they really need is a couple of decent kind of, um, you know, hit shows and people will, they'll subscribe again, even if it's only for the month. And the way it works is often you won't have watched anything on Netflix for two or three weeks. Mm, Will I cancel that? No, look, I'll just leave it another month. That's the way I do it anyway. That's right. There are one or two services that I haven't watched in three or four months, Mm. but I have this fear that everyone's going to be talking about something and I'll
5: miss out on it. And the other sneaky thing about it is as well, because of the fact that it it learns what you like. So you you pick up a recommendation at work and you Mm -hmm. want, crikey, that's really good now. And at the end of that seven parter, it's got recommendations. And that's the scary part of Netflix, Adrian. It reads you better than any of the others. It
1: knows what you like. Yep, yeah, it, it, it does. And and that's, by the way, where sharing your accounts with your neighbour can really screw it up because all of a sudden you're getting recommendations for the Kardashians. What the? Is, <laughs> you're that, not is that what it thinks I am? <laughs>
5: you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Adrian, it's always good to talk to you. But it, They're not going to get any cheaper anytime soon, and we may be looking at new new packages.
1: Yes, basically, in a nutshell. And they're not in really any trouble either. Uh, look, I really don't think so. The two hundred and twenty million subscribers have a massive production budget. Filming a few things in Ireland, by the way. Mm. Um so so uh they're, they're at this point they're if not the they're one of the biggest, if not the biggest studio in the world. So they'll be fine. All right. Adrian, always good to talk to you, tech editor of the Irish Indo, Adrian
5: Wettler. I can remember when Netflix came out, my daughter was mad to get it in. Mad to get it in. And I I hated the idea of it. I said, it's just a dumping ground for stuff that nobody else wants to watch. Now, I wouldn't be without it. I have it on my phone. I have it on my iPad. Anywhere I go, I bring me Netflix. Because there's always something on it to watch. But this thing about not being able to give it to your neighbour or your brother or your sister or your auntie, uh, that's not going to be popular. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Although people are agreeing with Adrian, let's uh, never have ads on Netflix. I wouldn't mind. You see, I don't think comparing it to the RTE player is a fair comparison because that's a cluster shambles anyway. That whole blasted thing—it's a mess—and the Virgin Media player isn't isn't much better because when you start watching the program on that, you you randomly gets shown the same six ads, four times during the, th- that's not a good comparison, but I get, I get where you're coming from. Would you mind ads on Netflix? 0818969696 I'll do this now because I'd forgotten about it. I said it earlier on about going to a house party or going to a warming party and I like this. I, I do like this. Uh, dear PJ my old friend and his new wife have moved home to Cork after many years in Asia Tom's wife, May, is Japanese. We've been invited to a housewarming in their lovely new apartment. And the invitation says, please bring slippers or indoor shoes. Apparently they love the Japanese tradition of no shoes in the house. I've never heard of that. There's no problem. I'm, I, but it's just news to me. Have you ever heard of it? Has anybody ever heard this from Emma, has anybody ever heard of that? Um... <laughs> they're going to a house and bring well actually Emma I'll tell you straight there's a great pal of mine has a house and from the day he got the, the the keys when I go to his house I leave my shoes in a rack in the hallway and I've had a pair of slippers in that house since the day I first visited or a pair of old soft shoes for going around it's, it's a it's a widespread thing actually in the world but I don't think we do it here in this country do you ever go into, when you go into someone's house, particularly for the first time, do you uh, put your shoes on a little rack inside the door? Do you? Or inside the door, just there in the hall? Would you take your shoes off? If I'm asked to, I would. It's unusual. It, it, it's, a, it's an Asian thing. That may be where they got it from. Tom's wife, according to Emma, is, is called May and she's Japanese and that's where they seem to have picked up the tradition. But have you ever been asked to take off your shoes going into somebody's house? If you look it up you'll find it's a bit of a debate at the moment. Uh, they, they kind of do and they don't in the UK and many parts of the world it's considered in some parts it's considered an insult if you go into somebody's house and and and, and, and wear your shoes. Oh, 0818 96 96 96.
3: Can we just talk? The opinion line on Cork's 96 FM. With
4: the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at corkcitymarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. We've just
5: gone through a quick list of the countries in which you do this as a matter of course, just for Emma's benefit Pakistan, Afghanistan, Iran. Sometimes in Israel, definitely in Japan, uh, many parts of China, Korea, Malaysia, Thailand, Vietnam, a lot of India. Quite common in New Zealand, I'm told. happens in Italy, you never go into your own house and leave your shoes on. Spain or Portugal don't really bother with it too much. Turkey, you take your shoes off. Uh, Russia, Poland, Ukraine. Scandinavian countries, it's considered unhygienic to keep your shoes on. They don't seem to care in the US. And again, parts of it, parts of Canada, have that tradition. I wonder. 0818 96 96 96. Have you ever been asked to take your shoes off going into somebody's house? Would it bother you if you were? 0818 96 96 96. Now, we always hear about how it's good to talk. Good to talk about how you're feeling. But it's taking the first step is the problem. We say it a hundred times, talk to someone, reach out, pick up the phone, send a text, talk to somebody. But it's not always that easy. Fiona has been talking to Fiona O'Malley about Turn To Me, which is a kind of an online diary that people can use.
12: Fiona O'Malley, thanks very much for joining us on the Opinion Line to talk about Turn To Me. Now, it is uh, an organisation that has been around for quite a while. But in 2021, it began offering uh, free um, uh, counselling services to young people from the ages of 12 upwards. So just tell me, first of all, with Turn To Me, a lot of the interaction that people have is online, which is, I suppose, a new way of of dealing with mental health in this country.
13: Yeah, absolutely. So I suppose um, Turn To Me was founded in 2009 by, by two brothers, Ushin and Dermot Schollard, who very sadly lost their own brother Cormac to suicide. And they wanted to create an online platform that would meet the needs of people who were struggling with mental health. And it was created... It's that time of
4: the year.
1: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. If you want to tell people the big news, all right, I'll do it.
13: to to be an online safe platform Um, and it offers, Turn To Me offers three different free services. So we offer one-to-one counselling and if you're an Irish citizen you can apply to have up to six free online one-to-one counselling sessions with us. We also offer support groups and those cover different topics including grief, anxiety, depression and relationship issues and we also have What's called an online thought catcher, which is, which is a mood diary, and we're seeing certainly really positive feedback on the 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 thought catcher, um, which is like the, the online mood diary. And we're delighted to you know extend this uh, service because the HSC have have agreed to to continue funding this, which is fantastic. And um, so we were we would certainly be encouraging people to to avail of those free services, and particularly the thought catcher is quite powerful and quite unique to some other services mental health services online because as I'm sure we all know by now a lot of the mental health services they're really long waiting lists whereas if you create an account and start posting on the thought catcher the mood diary um that can be up within you know an hour or two so it's it's quite a quick uh, service and it has um quite good good uh, engagement levels which we're, we're, we're very pleased with
12: and I'm sure, given the nature of the fact that it's an, a diary that's online, it appeals to the younger generation, um, the teenagers, and and the young people in their twenties and thirties in particular. But when you say that they're they're posting about their you know their feelings on this um, th- thought catcher, it's like an online diary, as you said. Um, like how is that information that they post going to be kept anonymous, first of all, and how is it? monitored is it safe for them to post their innermost feelings on an online platform like this
13: those are great questions so um the the username is anonymized unless someone specifically puts in their their um their full name which we wouldn't you know recommend but it is anonymized in, in terms of the username that's the only thing that comes up so it is anonymous um and people who respond to it we we do have trained moderators looking at the platform looking at the thought catcher um and that's Really, really important to keeping the platform safe because, as we've all seen and heard from the likes of social media, can be very, very toxic, very, and very ugly place when it comes to hateful and very harmful comments. So, obviously, as an online mental health platform, We can't have anything like that on the platform. We want people to feel safe, to feel like there's an engaged, supportive community. And we certainly don't see any room or want any room for hateful or harmful comments, which is why the moderators, before the comments are published on the website, they will check it to make sure it doesn't contain anything um, that it shouldn't contain. And then it's uh, published on the platform. And the thought catcher is what's called a form of peer to peer support. And peer to peer support is really interesting because if you are supporting another person who has gone through um, or who is going through something similar that you've gone through, such as anxiety or depression or grief, and if you support them with positive uplifting tips messages things that you've you know done yourself that has helped you in a similar circumstance what's very interesting about that is that research shows that the person who's giving that supportive message who is giving that peer support also benefits in their own mental health journey so i suppose it's a really positive outcome for the person who's supporting as well as this person who's receiving the support. It's probably, you know, uh, something incredibly kind that you yourself gain from being altruistic. So I suppose those studies show that when you're being kind to other people in peer-to-peer support, you're also being kind to yourself.
12: If somebody posts um, an online diary like that on the forum and they're not getting any response from anybody else. Like, is that going to affect them then? Like, or is there um, a way around that then?
13: Yeah, so we, we don't want any of our users to be, I suppose, left hanging. So we do have, as I said, moderators. We have volunteers as well. But a lot of people would be drawn to maybe similar issues that they've experienced, like if someone is posting about anxiety, someone who's going to be responding to it will most likely have had experience in anxiety themselves, dealing with their own anxiety. But that is something that we are monitoring um, and we would encourage our volunteers who we have up to 30 volunteers um, working with us on a monthly basis, which is fantastic. But we would encourage our volunteers to also um, go in and engage with people if their problems are a little bit more niche um, because we want to do make sure that no one is kind of just left hanging there, as you said, with, yeah. with no responses.
12: Okay, fantastic. And kind of person then um, keep track of the postings that they've made so they can see how their mood is changing day by day or week by week?
13: Yeah, absolutely. And that's extremely important when people might have a history of anxiety or they're just feeling a bit down and they they can't pinpoint it. I suppose research is a fantastic um, or hindsight is a fantastic teacher and I suppose when you track how you're feeling and your mood with some type of mood diary, such as the Thought Catcher, when you look back at maybe your life in the past month or the past year, you should be able to pinpoint issues that trigger your anxieties or issues that exacerbate any feelings you have. So maybe if you look back at maybe uh, a new diary that you did in the, in the past year and you can kind of in the time you might not be able to pinpoint why you're feeling anxious or why you're feeling a bit down. But then when you look back, you might think, oh, well, actually, I was. You know, going through that breakup at the time or I had just lost that person I might have been suffering from a grief that I wasn't aware of or else I was really stressed with work or I was stressed with the pandemic or I was um, really anxious about exams coming up so it's a great way yeah, to, to pinpoint um, the issues that, that you're facing and, and to be able to I suppose be more aware of them because when you're aware of the issues that trigger anxieties or, or, or other negative um, mental health issues you're in a better place to be able to address
12: them. And the online counselling service that you offer then as well, I suppose that's going to be very appealing for a lot of people and in particular young people who maybe do a lot of their communications online or who may be feeling a bit anxious about leaving the house or something like that, that they can just be in their bedroom and still talk to a professional.
13: Yeah, absolutely. And we only work with mental health professionals in our counselling services, which means they're qualified uh, counsellors or qualified psychotherapists and some people would prefer a service that's that's face to face but a lot of people certainly are users they they find it um, extremely useful if they you know don't have the means to travel or they just don't want to travel to -to face-to-face counselling sessions and we offer our one-to-one online counselling sessions with video format, so you can speak to and look to your counsellor or also um, by the chat format as well. Some students, particularly college students, say they, they might be in a room or they might be in a in a shared accommodation space and they might not want whoever is sharing the accommodation with them to hear about their issues so they mm. just, just can type um, on, on, on the, the keyboard and they find that really useful as well. Brilliant. So
12: if somebody wants to get in touch with you guys or if they want to engage with the Thought Catcher, how do they find you or what, where do they go?
13: So people can sign up for any of our free services, including the one-to-one counselling sessions, the free support groups or the free Thought Catcher by going to turntome.ie and setting up a free account. So that's turn to me.ie.
12: Fantastic, brilliant. Fiona, thank you so much for joining us on the opinion line this morning, and hopefully, this discussion um, will help a lot of our listeners this morning. Thank you so much.
3: Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM.
4: With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie
3: Access all areas on Cork's 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife
4: on Leaside.
7: Hi,
3: it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Releasing her
7: first new music since 2020, Sharon Von Etten comes to Cork Opera House on June 23rd as part of Cork Midsummer Festival 2022. It's part Part of a new program of events coming up during the festival in June with more details at CorkMidsummer.com Access All Areas Some shows coming up at Cypress Avenue and Wintrop Street during May include Percolator on May 6th, Lila Vargan on the 11th, Jenna Keating on May 13th, Maria Kelly on the 15th and Tim Chadwick on May 18th. Access All Areas You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, exhibition or gig coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us on AAA at night. 96fm.ie.
4: Access all areas. Your
3: guide to nightlife on Leeside.
4: side. On corks 96fm.
5: Interesting conversation there with uh, Fiona O'Malley. If you need help, then it's turn to the number two, turn to ie. You could call the Samaritans, 116123, or your GP, or indeed just talk to a friend or a workmate. Just take them aside and say, I need to talk to someone. If you need help. 0818 96, 96, 96 Premier League Live back with you this Saturday at 96 of Trevor and the team back for another day. Powered by Talk Sport. Live coverage of Arsenal versus Man U at 12.30. Norwich City versus Newcastle at 3 and half past 5 Brentford against Spurs. Another busy day Saturday. The Premier League live online with now your sport on your terms. Stream only the games that matter to you most with now and listen Saturday on the Corks 96 FM app or go to 96fm.ie I think I'm in the minority here because when I got that note or that message about the house party and Emma's friend is home after many years in the in Asia, and his wife is Japanese. And they're going to the house the housewarming in their new apartment. And the invitation says to please bring slippers or indoor shoes because they like this tradition of no shoes in the house. Um, it's no problem. She she said to me, "It's just news to me. I've never come across it." And I have, don't it's I was saying I have a friend who, when you go to his house you leave your shoes just inside the door on a little shoe rack and you uh, that's fine but I didn't realise it was traditional. tradition that just his way but there's a lot of you out there do it I think I'm in mean, the minority just in through the house in my shoes I think we all do that in Coogan Terrace we don't generally take our shoes off when we come in the front door you might change them upstairs in the bedroom and put on slippers or something but quite a lot of you do it um, whether it's tradition or not it's a habit with you so if you were asked to go to someone's house for a party and they said, please bring slippers or, or house shoes because we take our shoes off, would it be a surprise to you? 0818 96, 96, 96. There's a gorgeous photograph. Just before I move on to this, there's a gorgeous photograph. Uh, Kieran O'Connor. You'll find him on Twitter. He spells the Kieran with an O. So K K I E R O N O'Connor photographer and he's just done this astonishingly beautiful photograph with all the colours of it of the MSC Magnifica, the cruise liner, leaving the harbour and cove. It's magnificent. He put it up there in the last while. It just stops you in your tracks. 0818 96 96 96 Now there are all sorts of different all sorts of different um, summer camps that you can do that you can send the kids on. How about one on cyber security? Send the kids on a summer camp, a cyber security summer camp. Because apart from that else, when they learn it, they'll teach it to the rest of us. It's called the Cyber Security Academy. Aoife Long is the Education and Public Engagement Manager of the Cyber Skills Project at MTU. Aoife, good morning.
14: Good morning, PJ. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on.
5: Thanks for being there. It's a super idea. When's it on?
14: Thank you. So it's on on June 13th to 17th, and we're enrolling people now. So anyone between age 16 and 18 can go on to cyberskills.ie to register for their place. On, and it's free. It's online. So people from around the country will be able to join.
5: Specifically aimed at that age group, just out of fourth or fifth it is year.
14: Specifically aimed, yeah. Mm, So yeah, people who are making their decision about careers and who would like to get a taste of what a career in cybersecurity will be like. So we'll be covering some of the basic topics and principles of cybersecurity, like ethical hacking and cryptography. So how messages are put into code online to transfer them across the internet. So covering the important principles of cybersecurity.
5: I was interviewing someone last year or the year before about this whole area and said it is a developing industry and there will be tens of thousands of jobs in the fullness of time.
14: Well, absolutely. Even now, like it's a growing industry. So there's 500 companies roughly in Ireland and they're employing about 7,300 people in main cybersecurity roles. But beyond that, so many people have cybersecurity as part of their role. And there's a huge variety of roles in cybersecurity as well, from building networks to protect them and keep them safe to responding to incidents, to making sure people are aware of cybersecurity risks. So there's a huge variety as well as quantity of jobs involved in cybersecurity. So there really is something for everyone.
5: People who can, who would go to this camp, do they have to be, as it were, into it? Do they, or or is, it, is it for the beginner?
14: It is for the beginner. So that's one of the things that we really do want to emphasize. A lot of people do ask, do they need to know anything about coding? The answer is no, because what we'll do is the content will be the same, but we'll be delivering lectures, but also doing a lot of lab exercises. So then we can split out the levels and give different exercises to people who are complete beginners and also people who are a bit more advanced. We're going to have live captions throughout the academy. So it's online over Zoom. Live captions will be provided and also Irish sign language interpretation if it's required from everybody who wants to sign up as well.
5: What sort of things will you have learned at the end of the week?
14: So at the end of the week, it's not just kind of the principles of ethical hacking. It's the mindset that's required, kind of the need to think ahead when you're trying to solve cybersecurity problems will also be giving students a chance to practice a live attack scenario on our oh, cyber range. Okay. So Cyber Skills uses a cyber range to educate people on our third level programs. So what this is, it's an environment where you can learn and make mistakes. So it's very difficult to train people on cybersecurity in a live attack scenario because you need people who are experienced. Sure. So the cyber range allows us to simulate those scenarios and give people a taste and even the experience of adrenaline of solving those problems as well. So it could cover technical topics, cybersecurity, a little bit of scripting, some encrypting messages, but also the mindset that is required as well to think ahead and solve problems and even try to stay one step ahead of criminals and think of what they'll be doing to steal money, data, access networks.
5: Sounds so cool. June 13th to 17th, 17th from 11 to 3 now cost involved
14: no it's completely free so people it's sponsored by Science Foundation Ireland who have a remit under the National Cybersecurity Strategy to Promote Careers in Cybersecurity so it's completely free people can register on cyberskills.ie and I suppose I'd ask your listeners if they have kids of that age or nieces and nephews to spread the word and hopefully get the message out that people can join this and there's no cost
5: how many places Eva.
14: So we've 200 places this year.
5: Oh, that's a good camp. That's a big camp. All right. And just tell me again where they go to inquire.
14: So go to cyberskills.ie to inquire about the course so they can register their interest and then we'll contact people to confirm their place.
5: Okay, cool idea. Aoife Long, Education and Public Engagement Manager of the Cyber Skills Project at MTU. It's in June 13th to 17th June from 11 to 3 each day, free of charge for people who are just out of fourth or fifth year in school. Cybersecurity. Cyberskills.ie for all the deets that you need. 0818 96 96, 96. I live in Whitegate. My children aren't allowed in without taking off their shoes. As for visitors, well, it would depend on what he looked like. Really? <laughs> yes, PJ, it's a common thing in the country. I suppose near fields and farms, dirty shoes are guaranteed. Not every house does it, though, each to their own. In Sweden, it's obligatory to remove your shoes before entering someone's home. It's so much more hygienic as well. Kevin says, in the days of the good front room, she wouldn't dare go in with your shoes on. Your nan would ate you. Tis true, Tis true. Dee says, my daughter is a friend from Lithuania, and for her parents, it was always their custom to take the shoes off in the house. And Meg says, we always take our shoes off at the front door of a house. But we'd never ask the guests to take their shoes off. That having been said, I'm out with the Hoover and a steam mop as soon as they leave. I'm sure you're brushing out the door behind the mags, but the sound's
3: things. Can we just talk? opinion line on Cork's 96 FM.
4: With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Every year, Cork people
7: share their stories to support a very worthy cause and each time we're astonished by their amazing bravery.
4: Court's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon returns May 26-28 for Court Cancer Services and I'll be there.
7: Every year we speak to people touched by cancer so if you've got a story to tell we'd love you to get in touch
4: fine, fine. Send to email radiothon at 96fm.ie
7: Email radiothon at 96fm.ie to find out more
4: I'll be everything you want I'll be there the Giving for Living Radiothon supporting Cork Cancer Services May 26 to 28
7: only on Corks 96 FM. The lines are live
4: And we're ready to talk Can we just talk Call 0818 96, 96, 96.
3: Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96, 96
4: Email opinion at 96fm.ie
3: The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan On
4: Cork's 96FM
5: Well now, there you are It's not just the Cork and Kerry match That is upscuttled by Ed Sheeran Welcome and all as the man is And I can't wait to see him at the weekend But it's not just the Cork and Kerry match That's getting turned over By Ed Sheeran Munster's home quarterfinal Is now in the Aviva Because of Toman Park being used for an Ed Sheeran gig There's a thing Munster at home in the Aviva Ooh Ooh, that's Leinster's home ground like Ooh that's that, that. smarts. It is what it is. Oh eight one eight is. 0818969696 I asked you about Michael Manning. I'll tell you about him in a minute. Michael Manning. This day in history, the name Michael Manning was important. It's a small bit of a pain if you have shoes with laces. <laughs> having to take them off going into the house I'm sure it is I started wearing my shoes a while back I found a way to tie my laces in such a way that I can slip my shoes on and off quite easy the laces are still tied you have to get the pressure just right but I do I see your point 0818969696. Coming up, we'll return to fostering. Uh, a follow on from yesterday when we talked with Suzanne Peric and Kelly at Tusla about fostering and about the need for foster cares. I've been talking also to a, an experienced foster carer about what she sees as the joys of it and how she got into it and how she'd encourage people to do that. That's That's coming up. But first to Helga. Helga DC, good morning. Hello. Tell me about Tales of Motherhood at the Firkin Crane. What is it?
15: Um, So it's a project that I'm... At the moment, I'm currently the Cork City Dance Artist-in-Residence at the Firkin Crane, which is a programme kindly supported by Cork City Council and the Arts Council. And as part of this programme, I um, engage with different communities. And Tales of Motherhood is a project. And with this, I'm seeking to give space to the personal experiences of being a mother.
5: Okay. Okay. So is it for people to come and do their own Dance project um, or
15: what? So it, it, it is for people to join in. So I'm inviting, I'm inviting mothers to come and work with me in the freaking crane. And um, so there will be a poet and a writer involved. Her name is um, Neil Gibson. Myself as dance artist and choreographer and a filmmaker as well named Katerina Araujo. And there will be workshops for mothers to participate, and we will be exploring our experiences of motherhood through movement, through writing, and poetry, and we'll be capturing the outcomes in a film.
5: When is it happening, and how does one get involved?
15: And um, so it's happening. The, the first workshop will be taking place on Saturday, the 30th of April in the afternoon at 3pm at the Firkin Crane in Shandon. And then it'll be another four Saturdays following on from there. And all the details are on the Firkin Crane Facebook page.
14: Okay,
5: You have some information sessions as well where people can find out more and ask a few questions.
15: Absolutely, yes. There is one this evening online on Zoom at 5.30 and there's one in person at the Firkin Crane at four o'clock on Friday.
5: And People can just come along and ask whatever questions they have. Now, the only commitment that you ask of people, it's free, by the way, but the only commitment you ask of people is that they commit to everything once they decide to participate. Um,
15: I do. Once once they decide to to participate, I, I ask that they commit. Um because I'd like to work with a group of people who go through this journey together, who share and who explore experiences mm. and uh, yeah. in creating the film as well. Yeah.
5: And will we get to see the final project, Helga? Will it be shown yes, in public?
15: Absolutely. Um it will be yes, the film will be made for public screening and it'll be shown at my end of residency event which will happen in October, October fifteenth.
5: Okay. So if anybody wants to get involved in that, Furkin Crane are on Facebook. They have other details that you need. And there's a Zoom information meeting this evening. There's also one on Friday, four to five at Furkin Crane. It's called Tales of Motherhood and Helga is the artist in residence at the Furkin Crane. Good luck with that. Helga, and to anybody who gets involved with it. I nearly forgot to do this. We, of course, have teamed up here at Cork's ninety-six of M with the Cork City Marathon on Sunday, June 5th. You can run solo, you can do the full marathon, the half marathon, join a relay team, take the youth challenge, go along in a pram. Well, no, not that bit. but you know yourself. You can do it any way you want. There's any number of ways to do the Cork City Marathon. You have to register, though at CorkCityMarathon.ie, before Sunday, June 5th. And to mark all this this week, we have a great prize of an overnight stay with dinner for two people at the River Lee Hotel. And we're getting a qualifier every day, and then we'll draw the winner on Friday. And it's about numbers, and about how long did something last, and how long did something run for. So today's question, and we take the answers on text to WhatsApp at 08 Three, three, ninety six, ninety six, ninety six. How many seasons did Friends run for on TV? How many seasons did Friends run for on TV? Was it eight or ten? Was it A, eight, or B, ten? How many seasons of Friends were there on the telly? Was it A, eight, or B, ten? Or oh, three, three, ninety six, 96, 96. The answer and your name. Now, yesterday we were talking about fostering and we heard from Suzanne Pelican and Kelly from Tusla's Fostering Resource Unit, uh, their principal social worker there. They're actively looking for people to give a home to a child who's in the care system. And we're talking about the fact that it's a huge commitment. It's a lot to take on. But there are children who, for some reason, simply can't stay in their own home. Many, many children. And they need a place to stay, short or long term. it's an enormous commitment. So what is it like? Who can do it? How would you go about it? Uh, Marion has been fostering for quite a number of years. And she's been telling me about her
3: experience. We'll let you hear that next.
10: Can we just talk?
3: The opinion line on Cork's 96 FM with the Cork City Marathon.
4: Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at corkcitymarathon.ie.
7: Premier League Live, powered by TalkSport. Join me, Trevor Welch, exclusively online at 96fm.ie.
4: Tune in Saturdays as we ramp up the excitement for the day's biggest games. We'll bring you pre-match analysis, live commentary, and in-depth interviews with some legends of the sport. Number
7: one, the, league. <laughs> the Premier League Live. With
4: now, join in the experience with a Now Sports or Sports Extra membership.
7: Listen every Saturday exclusively online at 96fm.ie or download the Corks 96FM app Courts
5: 96FM So Marion you have been fostering f- for a while but how did you become involved in the first place what interested you in fostering
16: Well believe it or not PJ I kind of I suppose fell into it by accident it was you know I I was looking after children always in my home for friends and family. I, I was divorced when my children were very young, so I've been parenting alone for quite some time. And, you know, uh, an opportunity arose where a neighbour whose sister fostered actually said to me, she said, you'd be great at this, would you be interested? And of course, way back then, in a month of Sundays, to be truthful, I didn't think I'd be able to foster as a lone parent, number one, and were two two young children of my own. So, I dismissed it and this friend, a neighbour of, of mine, persevered. Thankfully, she did. Mm. And she almost hooked me, I suppose, into going to um a meeting, um an introduction meeting, you know. Um, so, I went. She kind of led me to believe she was interested too. Yeah. You know, so, um, she wasn't, but she she knew, uh, she saw something in me, I suppose, yeah. is what I'm trying to say, where it, it would benefit um, other children, that I was good with children. So up I went, thinking no more about it, to um, an open night.
10: Hmm. It
16: was above and above, springs here in Cork at the time. And um, there was a great discussion and I met social workers and I met other foster parents. And I discovered that... It, Yeah, it is possible that I would be able to foster. And um, I was terrified to go forward with it, to tell you the truth.
5: Because you would have thought, right, well, look, I'm a single parent and I have two children of my own. I don't tick the necessary boxes, but in fact, you do.
16: Yeah, exactly. I didn't think I did. So, you know, we went the next step. We went to the introductory meeting and um, I got interested then. And I was thinking, God, maybe I can do this. And then I was a, a series of phone calls later and I had lovely ladies come to my door and more conversations had about it. And then we started the process going and application forms were filled in and a series of interviews and a series of home visits. And between the jigs and the reels, then it all goes to a panel and they decide whether you can or you can't. And at every stage, PJ, to tell you the truth, I didn't think I'd be able mm, to do it yeah. but look we persevered and won't be tied it happened and I got the okay and um, you know it's just it's something I'm fierce passionate about because I couldn't imagine now nearly 16 years later what would have happened in my life had I not attended that meeting
5: Like It is an arduous process to get approved, take me through it
16: It is you do, you do have to have a series of um, home visits from social workers and there is a lot of paperwork um, you know obviously we're, we're vetted um, your background, your relationships, your history everywhere you've lived the type of person you are it's, it, it can be daunting. It's true, to be fair, it, it can. But, you know, you were helped by social workers at every stage through that process. Um, I found the most arduous thing for me really was the initial application forms. Yeah. It, there was a lot of paperwork. And um, the home visits then, I I actually didn't mind those.
5: They, they were very
16: informative.
5: Are they an interview set up or are they literally examining your home? looking? Mm-hmm.
16: No, not, not, not as formal as an interview. I, I wouldn't say uh, I went through that. It was more conversations. And yeah, your home gets examined too, but that's only one aspect of it, a small aspect of it at the end. Initially, really, I suppose, people getting to know you. Yeah. And, and um, you know, and getting a feel for you and seeing what you can offer. And um, I suppose really it was, lots of conversations, lots of cup of coffees. Um, I, I, interview would be kind of formal, but I, I didn't find it that formal. Sure. You know, yeah, in-depth in, in depth conversations and I, I suppose at times probing, Um, you, you know, into your, your personal life. But, you know, that was the hardest part of it, yeah.
5: You do have to be prepared, don't you, to reveal quite a lot about yourself.
16: You do. You do. Yeah, you do. And, you know, very personal details about your your whole life, you know, and your relationships and um, your children, I suppose, as well. Yeah, you do have to be prepared to be very, very open Yeah. to to keep a very open mind and to realise that, you know, you you would be taking on the responsibility of a a child that's not yours in your home. So it's it's. You have to keep that in mind, that it's all about making sure that placements are, I suppose, well matched and, um, you know, successful, you know. So I think the the most daunting aspect really was the paperwork for me. I didn't actually mind uh, lots of people coming and going and and different conversations being had with different social workers for a a sustainable length of time, I suppose. That was fine. It was informal. I was made feel very comfortable. And um, those meetings are absolutely, you were asked a lot of personal questions, but if you're up, you, 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 once you're open minded, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say, you get through it.
5: Once you got the approval and the green light. Then that's a bit daunting, then, because you're kind of going, okay, what happens now?
8: Terrifying.
16: (laughs) Absolutely terrifying, because, you know, you kind of, you think, oh, good Lord. You know, you're not familiar with you know, in placements and 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 what to do from here. And you're there going, oh, am I just going to be handed this this little person and that's it? And I'm responsible, and mm. all the decisions are up to me. But you know, you learn very quickly. There is great training. You 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 are you kind of go on um, a training, and all of these things are teased out within it. And yeah. you know, by the time you're to get a phone call to say. Would you be up to this? You've had an awful lot of training behind you.
11: Yeah.
16: And uh, you kind of know what to expect. And I do feel that what people may be not aware of, and I wouldn't have been aware of at the time either, um, is that, you know, a phone call is made to you and you're given a little, I suppose, conversation about a, a child in need and would you be able to do this? They're very... um. I suppose matching a child to you was very important. Yeah. So I kind of was afraid, I suppose, when I had phone calls and I was like, oh, God, I don't think I could do this child. I don't think I'd be able. I don't think I'd have enough experience. Things like that. And every aspect of it, you can say no. And people are afraid that they they lose control, but you don't, yeah, you can say no, and it doesn't affect anything you know yourself
5: what you're able for there's no one going to force a child on you if they if if you uh, or they don't think that you're able for for that child
16: yeah so so you the choice is with you the whole time, that's never taken from you it here it is it's not. This is, this is what we have. This is what you're, you're, it's not like that. You can say no. And people, I've been trying to persuade people to foster for years. And that's the one thing I know in my own cohort of friends, they're always afraid that, you know, what if I felt I couldn't do this one? And I said, no, would I never again be after child? That's not the case. You know, everyone wants you to succeed. And, you know, um, what, what kind of, I suppose, when I was terrified initially, you quickly learn that you're not alone in it. Mm. There's a whole team of people involved Mm. in this, you know. Each child, each individual comes with a whole team of people around them, you know. Every child comes with their own social worker and I come with a social worker. I have what's called a link, a link worker that's just specifically for me and um, I've had fantastic link workers throughout the years. A link worker for me is to support me. Not so much the child, but to support me to, you know, if you need advice, if you're kind of struggling or not struggling or how to access resources. There's, I I have someone that I have my true goal person for all of that. So that's a great support. You never feel that you're on your own with it.
5: And over the 16 years or so that you've been doing this, would they have been long-term placements, short-term?
16: I would have had lots of types of placements. I would have started initially with what's called respite. There are many different forms of fostering. So respite, to me, I would recommend very strongly for people starting off on a fasting journey. It's where you w- could offer a weekend or maybe two weekends or three weekends or four weekends a month to a child. Um, I know when I started first, the children um were in, I suppose, what's called voluntary care, where we worked very well with the, the parents. And, you know, for lots of reasons, I suppose, Everyone needed a break yeah. and a lot of the time, a weekend is all the child needs and all the parent needs to keep them on track. Do you know, what? we're not, some people aren't so lucky that they have support and families. So it's a great start because you would, in, in, when I was doing respite, I would collect a child on a Friday and from their parents and deliver them home on a Sunday. And it was a lovely introduction, I suppose, to fostering for me because it gave me confidence.
5: You'd be sometimes you'd have I guess children coming to you who are troubled or who might be
4: Absolutely
5: difficult. And and they're they're difficult and troubled because of what they've come from. They would you know, they wouldn't if their if their lives were okay, they wouldn't be with you in the first place. But do you get used to that? Do you develop a way of, of dealing with
16: that? You do. You do. And fortunately, no, we have the most fantastic training. It's trauma training. Um, Dr. Marie Lottie um, introduced it to us and tools that are actually training us all now mm. in a trauma-informed way. And through that training, you know, I actually facilitate it now I'm very passionate about it because it gives you the most amazing insight into children who have experienced development trauma in particular.
10: Yeah.
16: And it just gives you tools. It puts so many tools in your toolbox to be able to deal with everything. And, you know, out of that training, it gives us an enormous capacity to kind of look beyond behaviours, I suppose, and to be able to see, I, uh, f- with a trauma lens, I suppose, yeah, um, why things are the way they are and that there's a reason. And within that training, we're given so many techniques on how to deal with it, because it, it can be a different way of parenting, what kind of works for our own children. doesn't necessarily work for children who have experienced trauma. So this gives us a whole new way of parenting and a way of looking at things, and um, it's hugely beneficial to us. So, you know, we do have the training to be able to
5: cope with all of that. Of the children who have been with you over the years, do you stay in touch with them?
16: I do. I, not all of them, to be yeah. fair, but I, I do t- I try to stay in touch with, with most, you know, which is great, and it's great to see people moving on and making and growing up and making progress. You know, it's it's fantastic, and um, you know, there's lots of heartache along the way. I think it's a reason a lot of people, you know, the, what I get from people the whole time is, "Oh, I don't know how you do it." Well, I could, I couldn't do that, is what people say a lot to me, and I keep saying, "But you can," you know, "you can do it." And there, I couldn't do the heartbreak. I couldn't have a child and hand them back. And I get this an awful lot, and I keep saying to people, "You absolutely can." I'm not saying that you get a niece, the Twitter or anything like that. It is heartbreaking when you build bonds and connections with children. Uh, do you know, when, when you've been with them a long time and yeah. do you know, they go home and of course you're going to miss them.
5: It must be hard to let them go, particularly if it's been a successful placement.
16: Very, very, it is always difficult. I, I couldn't ever say it's easy. It can be very happy a lot of the time because... You know They've had a successful placement and they're able to return home and everything is fabulous, but it is still sad and a lot of the time it's it, you, you'd You want, I suppose, a bit more for them, but you know I suppose I cushion myself yeah. a bit because I know any time that I've spent with children they've had a great time. They've they have, you know, I've been I suppose a secure foundation for them even short term Um, I suppose I've given them life skills that hopefully will sustain them in the future and good memories. And I think if you can give someone good memories, it's a great foundation for them to have.
5: Isn't life all about making our memories? It is. Marion, there are some information nights coming up uh, over the next few weeks. So we've been telling people about them. If anybody's even half thinking about this, you'd advise them to go, would you?
16: Absolutely. I want to get these people all to go to the information meetings. I have had the most enriched journey through fostering. I have had the most amazing children. I've built fantastic relationships with the children, with their parents, with amazing social workers, just I couldn't ever imagine not have doing it. It is, if it, the first step was my hardest step in it. And I have never, ever, ever looked back. We have laughed. We've cried. We've been sad. We've been happy. But overall, I wouldn't change any of it. It no. has been fantastic. And, you know, children at the end of the day, you know, are easy, you know i know behaviours can be challenging but you know we we have the tools now to deal deal with that but you know if you can bring any of that into somebody's life then it's well worth it even for a short period of time it yeah. it it's, it's it's amazing and you know it's very i suppose people are always looking for job satisfaction and things like that but it's really rewarding I, I couldn't even begin to say how rewarding it is. It's hard to push it into words. And people stop themselves going forward because they're worried about the heartache, I suppose. They're also worried about their own children because, you know, whilst we sign up, I signed up for this. I suppose my children didn't. Yes. You know, so I was in the back of my mind and my family and my mom and dad and things like that.
5: And was that ever problematic?
16: It, 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 it can be. But I will say now, um, I mean, my, my, my babies now are in their 20s, I suppose. They're men now out in the world. And when I would have been fostering when they were younger, it always did worry me because, yeah, there's, there can be sadness. There can be disruption. But looking at them now, that the people they've become now, um, fostering has, has had the most positive impact on their lives. Okay. They have developed huge empathy. Oodles of empathy for people. They've met people in the normal course of life that they wouldn't have met, I suppose. Yes. We've met people with all sorts of issues and problems and addictions. And, you know, people that I suppose normally I might have been protecting them from all of that, but through fostering, you get to meet a huge cohort of different people. And, you know, my children and me learned an awful lot from that experience because we've developed, I suppose, the art of looking beyond the issues yeah. and the problems and seeing the people, What the, some wonderful people behind all of these issues and, you know, um, develop a huge empathy for people in return, you know. So it's really, it's benefited their lives and oh, beyond doubt, um, they're much more caring people for it. And I do say the education they've had through fostering is an education that can't be learnt on books or at school. They've seen all life from a young age. And it's very good for children to see all life. And you kinda of learn very quick you can't protect your children from everything. So it's good to support them in seeing everything, every aspect of life. And it's made them very well rounded, empathetic individuals, yes. Yeah. So people worried about their children They're giving them a fantastic grounding. They really are. So uh, for people looking to kind of come forward, don't be worried about that. You know, it it, it can work out very well and to everybody's benefit. But 100% go to the meeting. You can do it if you have time, patience, kindness, and love that you can give to somebody else. You can do this. And you, you're not alone in the doing of it. You will be part of a team of people around you to
5: support you in doing it. Marion, thank you very much for being with me today. Thank you, Peter. Thank you for having us. That's uh, Marion, who's been fostering for a number of years. There's an information evening online on Teams this evening. If you want to go to the Tusla website, tusla.ie, look up fostering, I'm sure there'll be information there how to get onto that meeting this very evening. We also got an email from a listener who's a foster carer and uh, it's an open letter that has been circulated to many TDs around the country highlighting the work and the contribution that foster carers make to the state and thanks to our listener for passing that on. It's quite long uh, we hope to return to the subject again but we hope that over the last couple of days we've introduced you to the concept of it and they, it is a serious situation they are chronically short of foster carers in uh, Toosla.ie and look up Fostering, you might find out some more, might find out something that interests you I just want to touch on something before I go to the break there Fiona, this is a desperately sad story, which is all over the news, something occurred to me, I was reading the newspapers about that awful tragedy of that beautiful young girl the camogie player, Kate Moran Um, she died uh, over the weekend, she was playing a match And she got struck, according to the mail and a couple of other papers, she got accidentally struck with an opponent's hurley in the neck. And whatever happened, it caused a catastrophic injury. And the poor girl died. And it's a desperate tragedy. And it's all over the newspapers. And everyone's talking about how great she was and how wonderful a player she was and how lovely a person she was. And I heard Marty Morrissey talking about her this morning. On national radio, and Marty Marty knows everybody in the GAA, and Mar- Marty knew her, and just said she was a really, really special person, and a really gifted player, and all of that. But you know who I'm thinking of, and I hope that the person has someone around them minding them just now. Obviously, Kate's family and friends and clubmates and teammates and all of that. But the other player. The player who went out to play a match and get into the rough and tumble of a match, as you do, and the player who clear from reading the descriptions and in the newspapers, clearing a ball, the most natural thing to do in the course of a game, clearing the ball, and the, it seems to have struck Kate quite by accident. I hope they're okay. I hope that person is okay. I really, really do. Because no one did that intentionally. A horrible, horrible thing to happen. Dreadful for Kate and her family and clubmates and friends and anyone who knew her. But for the other poor person, the other poor player involved, I hope that
3: somebody is minding them.
10: Can we just talk?
3: The Opinion Line on Corks 96FM.
4: With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie.
3: Corks 96FM.
5: Someone on the phone um, come okay, for complimenting our foster carer, Marion, saying she's an amazing person. And on no shoes, this is still coming in about whether you take your shoes off going into Somebody's house. I don't think people should be made take their shoes off when they enter a house. I agree if they're mucky or full of grass and all that. I think it's rude to ask someone to take their shoes off. We're adults, not kids. I think that's probably the first message that actually hates the idea. 0818 96 96 96. Now the kids are off. It's a gorgeous spring day. A forecast for the rest of the week is a bit up and down, but today at least is rather nice. So is that anything you could do to pass the day and get out in the beautiful spring? You could go foraging. Kate Ryan from flavour.ie. Hi, Kate.
11: Hi, PJ. Good morning. How are you?
5: Very well. There's a few little walks and trails you could take and do a bit of foraging. First of all, what exactly
11: is Foraging. Well, uh, I suppose foraging is a is a, a practice where you're collecting uh, food from the wild, basically. So uh, not from a farm, not from your garden. Although you can do some foraging in your garden if you if you've let a patch of land go a bit wild in in in, in the garden. But effectively, foraging, I suppose, is where you first of all go off and find a place that is. Uh, Um, where where wild food is growing and then after that I suppose if you return back to the same spot every time you're really just kind of collecting and picking and things like this so foraging is kind of the the act of actually finding a place where wild food is in the first instance but um it's it's really educational for kids for sure because uh the wild food is something that was always kind of a massive part of the the old Irish diet you know and mm. one of the great things about wild food is that it, it Things appear in nature as we need them. So say this time of year in spring, we're coming out of a long winter into summer, you know, like our vitamin C levels are a bit down and, you know, we're all a bit tired and exhausted. And the things that are kind of growing and available right now are the things that our bodies need right now as we're coming out of Mm. a long, dark winter into the longer summer days.
5: Mother Nature, as she regularly does for us at many levels, Mother Nature is providing
11: Absolutely, 100%. So like right now, you know, we can walk around and we can see that there are leaves sprouting, blossoms are blooming. And, you know, really, the great thing is with foraging is you really get a sense of tracking the seasons throughout the year. So right now we have new leaves, new blossoms, later we'll have berries, then nuts. And as we go into the autumn and the winter, then, you know, we'll also can can forage for roots as well. Um, So at every stage of the the way, you're kind of really reconnecting with the changing of the seasons as we come into one process through one and out the other and into another. Mm -hmm. So it really kind of is a connective practice. And I think really... um, Right now, um, foraging has kind of gone beyond the sort of the initial eye rolling response of like, all right, let's go foraging. And it's kind of more looking into sort of the wider uh, connected, the connected practice of foraging. So now we're looking at not just what we can pick, but also in terms of our health, mindfulness, the biodiversity in our local areas climate as well what what is available when and how that is changing Mm. and how that relates to climate change and then there are also food skills that fall out of that as well like drying fermentation bushcraft which sounds incredibly exciting Mm -hmm. um that's all kind of forms part of this foraging mindset now um, and it's just a great educational tool for kids
5: Mm. so for this week when the kids are still off for the next few days anywhere we could bring them to introduce them to the basics
11: Absolutely. Well, actually, right now, um, this coming weekend, so on Sun, on uh, sorry, Saturday, the twenty third of April, Kevin O'Connell, who is probably better known online as Forage and Find, is running um, a Foraging Walk in Ballycolleg Regional Park. Um, so that's this Saturday. It's, it starts at eleven am, goes through to 1.30 pm. Uh, it's about 25 20 euros per person and you can book online or or look him up on instagram at forage and find so uh, what he basically would do is take you around a regional park which is kind of like a semi-urban urban setting which is not really maybe where you would think you would go for foraging mm, yeah. People tend to think you have to be out in the wild wild but um he takes groups of people around and the walk is always food focused people learn how to identify wild foods how to cook them their medicinal properties how to make some herbal preparations and of course being the time of year as well kevin will be focusing on the wild spring greens and new shoots that are appearing everywhere as well as and this is kind of like an important thing anybody anybody can go and forage anytime they want but where these kind of introductory courses really come into their own is that not everything in the wild is edible some things can look like other things one of them is edible one of them not edible so going on a very quick course like this will give people some really basic tips on knowing how to spot edible foods and that what are safe to eat and what are not
5: because i was gonna get there with you next take something like like wild mushrooms i mean i absolutely love nothing more than a big plate of fried wild mushrooms but you have to be very careful that they are actual mushrooms
11: yeah and I'll give you a funny story about this so I went on an organized wild mushroom hunt a few years ago and every single mushroom I I found was poisonous. I didn't find a single edible mushroom. <laughs> so, But you know, I suppose at one point I was like, this was a waste of my time. I'm walking away with no edible food. But then at the end of the day, I thought, well, at least I now know how to identify what is inedible, you know, and mushrooms are a very particular one. You have to be so careful with mushrooms because in Ireland, the vast majority of wild mushrooms that grow on these islands are actually not edible at all. Yeah. Um, so there's very, very few. But I mean, like right Right now, when we're kind of looking around, I suppose the classic native weed, the bane um, of most uh, gardeners as well, are nettles. Yes. Um, and nettles are really having a moment in the sun, literally and figuratively. So uh, right now, they're perfect for picking while they're small and tender, um, but they're packed with really great nutrients. They've got iron and zinc and vitamin C. They're kind of like wild spinach in a way, you okay. know, and sure. they're really versatile and you know, um, people are still suffering from, you know, um, coughs and colds and various different uh, bugs hanging around the place at the moment. And nettles, nettle soups, uh, cooking nettles into potato mash uh, Mm. Mm. making pesto and things out of it this is a really great way to kind of pick wild food for free that is really good in nutrition um, and is actually a a part of the old Irish diet as well
5: okay is there a website that people can start to look look up this and 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 maybe learn some more Kate your own one flavor.ie obviously (laughs)
11: yeah I mean I do write about foraging I suppose the best um the best thing to do really is to look for there's a couple of really great books actually um the first um would be um the there's a book called the forgotten skills of cooking which is written by Doreena Allen and she has a huge section right at the beginning on foraging um, and to be perfectly honest with you that I mean this book is about 20 something years old now and that was where I first discovered the passion I have now for for foraging okay. and there's also a fantastic book as well called Wild and Free which is written by two Irish authors as well and is widely kind of regarded as sort of the bible for uh, wild foraging and food preparation and it's a very slim book but it's a very informative book okay. so I think those are the best places to go and have a look and
5: and uh, yeah, check on the website, Flavour.ie okay. as well. All right, Kate, thank you. Uh, Flavour.ie, it's springtime. Get out there and do a bit of foraging, but be careful. It might not be a mushroom, and the least it'll do to you, the least it'll do to you is you'll spend a day talking to God on the big white telephone. It could do an awful lot worse, so be very careful. I am very passionate to a wild mushroom, but I'd never go and pick him myself because I can't tell one from the other. 0818969696 Ask you this question again in association with the Cork City Marathon on Sunday, June 5th. You can run solo, you can do a half marathon, full marathon, join a relay team, just need to register. And uh, to mark this particular registration week, we're going to get many, many people registering this week. We have a weekly prize of an overnight stay with dinner uh, for two people at the River Lee Hotel. That's uh, we we'll give that out Friday. We- Get a qualifier every day. So how many seasons did Friends run for on the telly? How many seasons of Friends were there? Was it A, 8 or B, 10? Give us that and your name. To 083, 96, 96. On the subject of shoes, uh, I have the Irish tradition of not wearing shoes in the house. I'm sick of my kids bringing other people's dogs' mess into the house. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. It's not like there's a thing. Of all the countries in the world that do it, we're one of the ones that do it le- least. Yes, the shoes off is very, very common practice also in Germany and Finland, says Trina. Thank you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. 96, Now, the Ballet Hub Jazz Festival is due back. This year, it's been missing the last two years. It's just one of those little niche, they call them boutique festivals. It's Belly the Hub, blinking, you'll miss it. Wonderful place, but blinking, you'll miss it. But the Jazz Festival, Joe O'Leary from Levis Corner House. Joe, it's almost bigger than the town itself when it settles in, isn't it? Good morning to you.
17: Good morning, I'm Sorry,
5: good morning, PJ. Jesus, I'm very bad. Not a, by the way. Uh,
17: Lack of sleep now with the organisation. Yeah, blinking you'll miss it. Uh, I'm not too really <laughs> sure anymore. I wish I could blink and i miss it. <laughs> it. Yeah, it's unusual. It started about, geez, 15, 16 years ago. Um, uh, started by a man called John Fagan who's since passed away. He, he used to run jazz clubs in Germany. Yeah. So the first couple of years, it was chaotic. It was brilliant. Um, the huge crowds Then kind of died down uh, in the recessionary times. And then we started. We got involved when we landed down to leave the Scorn House. We just naturally got involved. We actually went down to a meeting uh, one day, and next thing we found out a couple of weeks later we we're actually running the festival. <laughs> <laughs> well,
5: seeing as you're interested, like, Away With You, yeah. and seeing as yeah. you have musical background, Away With You.
3: <laughs> yeah,
17: Away With You, sure you're well able. We were young at the time. We've aged the probably double what the time has gone by since. But anyway, yeah, I suppose over seven years we've developed it out more into uh, full-blown arts festival. So mm. like we have, like this year is prime example, because we've had a three-year wait uh, from the last um, physical festival to this one, and like this year, we have like poetry slams, mural projects, headline concerts, the the famous street spectacle, which is the New Orleans-style jazz funeral, which we've been doing for about six years. And this year, it's really culminating in the end of our great puppet family, which were all made mm. in situ by talented people within the
5: community. A jazz uh, funeral?
17: Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a celebration of kind of two cultures that kind of playing a small bit on on Irish culture and also mixing it with the New Orleans and kind of Mexican day-to-day style jazz funerals. So you've got bands coming from, this year we've bands coming from 13 or 14 countries. Even, like even including Ireland, which is great, <laughs> and uh, they all partake. They all they all go down the street playing the brass, and we have a coffin, and we have puppets, giant puppets, <laughs> and the kids are doing can can dancing, and we send artists in making skull heads, and God, it's just it
5: sounds like it sounds the maddest thing ever.
17: It is mad, it, but it seems to really engage with people because, like, you literally get a couple of thousand people out on Brilliant. the street of a village that has 300 people, you know? So now, I
5: know one one person is gunning to get going and can't wait to get going, and that is, and she's on the other line, the great Karen Underwood. Hello, my darling, how are you?
10: Good morning, PJ. Hey, Joe, how you doing?
5: You can't so, wait. So, so glad you to can't be here. wait to get back on stage.
10: Oh, My goodness. I mean, like, it's been two years plus at this stage. And to actually have a real exciting jazz festival and the thought of a New Orleans funeral style parade. Come on now. Where would you get it?
5: (laughs) (laughs) It's just it's just the maddest thing ever. So you're you're playing in the, the main hall, the jazz hall.
10: I am. This is my debut gig now in de d'Hab. I've been watching this festival for years coming about and I got invited to come down. So, yeah, I seven, uh, half past seven in the hall there. Um, I cannot wait to see people there and to actually see eyes looking back at me. I mean, that is the way I love to perform. Mm-hmm. Real people real stories and some of the stories that I'm going to talk about people have never heard before. So it's, it's really good to come back and be with John and, and, and Fiano Calacan and Dave Woodla. We cannot wait. We've missed this up. so
5: much. It hurts, haven't you?
10: Oh, it burns. It burns. It hurts. It stings. It aches. I mean, come on. How many words can I can I give to describe it? A part of my life was just taken from me. And I've been walking around half a person for the past two years, so now I can be full again. I mean, literally and uh, and uh, figuratively, you know. Great. Cannot wait. Great, great. great cannot great. wait.
5: Just get back quickly to, to Caroline. Karen, we'll talk to you soon, darling, and give my best to Mary. Um, Caroline, the details. It's on the May weekend.
17: It is. It's the uh, 29th of April to the 2nd of May. So it kicks off on Friday with Karen. And then run straight through to uh, Monday. So we're going to have over 40 gigs across the village in that time, DJ, in all of the pubs and venues. And they're all free entry. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's amazing. And there's Irish international musicians playing at all of those. We've Donald Dineen DJing in the back of Levis's, Goodnight Circus, Runaway Retros, Fixity, all fantastic. Um, what we do have um, on the Friday and Saturday, as Karen mentioned, are the headline concerts and those are the ones that are ticketed. Okay. So if you want to get out and support the festival, that's that's the way to go about it. Okay. Get the tickets for those and then enjoy all the rest as well.
5: And all the information that people need is on ballet De Hob Jazz Festival on one word, ballied org. Have a great one. I, I don't know if I get down there, but have a good one when it comes. And I know I know how much Karen is just absolutely doing to get back on stage it's going to be great Uh, Jack O'Sullivan in the Glen is today's qualifier with ourselves and the Riverley Hotel and Cork City Marathon Uh, it was uh, 10 series of friends that ran and before I go I said to you who's Michael Manning Uh, on this day in uh, 1954, Michael Manning was the last man ever executed for murder in Ireland. He was 25 years of age. he would murdered a woman called Catherine Cooper. And he was executed on this day in 1954, the last man executed in Ireland. And thank you, Eugene, for that. I didn't know. I'd forgotten about him. I didn't forgotten who his name was. Uh, anyway, that's it. The things you learn in the morning. Yeah. 0818969696 days 96 96 open for a wee while and we're back in the morning just after 9
3: can we just talk the opinion line on Corks 96 FM
4: with the Cork City Marathon take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team register at corkcitymarathon.ie